Hello, this is Rom Libs, and you're listening to the Bullpen Bulletins podcast, which is way better than a smack in the belly with a wet trout. Okay, out there in Marvelland, face front, this is Stan Lee speaking. made you a disc jockey, lady? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby. By the way, Jack, the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw a bald-headed. Bullpen Bulletins, a celebration of all things Marvel. I'm Vince B. I'm David Price. And we have a hell of a hodgepodge episode for you this time. In the first hour and some minutes, you'll hear Derek Coward from, among other things, uh, Comic Book Noise and all the podcasts and the Deliberate Noise Network and, and a hell of a guy. And we talk about Infinite Crisis for a bit, and Civil War for a little bit, and uh, a lot of other things. So that's the first part of this episode. And then in the second hour-ish plus, or however it, it came out, we were uh, we were we continued the conversation with Derek, and we were joined by Mike Myers, radioactive man on our forum, who is also a contributor to. To Derek's Deliberate Noise Network, he has uh, Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise, and we were also joined by Ian of the Comic Timey Podcast, who you've heard via audio comments sprinkled uh, throughout a couple of episodes in the past. So we continued the conversation on on Civil War number five, uh, which we started last week with with Tony, but uh, we continued it with Ian and Derek and uh, and Mike, and aside from. Civil War number five. We also kind of dissected Amazing Spider-Man number five thirty-six, which, uh, which depending on, I guess, well, I don't even want to say which side you're on. I mean, because as, as cliched as that's getting, either we're trying to find if people like the issue for the contents of the issue and not the fact that it was given to you slightly, what some consider to be slightly out of turn, considering that it's connected to a issue of, a, of an event that's not out yet. If anybody says anything in this episode that you want to counter, either jump on our forums at bullpenbulletinspodcast.com and, uh, and, and make your opinion known, or give us a call on the buzz line. And uh, what's that number, Vince? Well, the number is 1-888-654-2278. When prompted for the code, enter 285-736-2855. Our PIN number is 5555, easy to remember. And when you're done with your message, just press 2 to save it. And if enough of you guys do that, who knows? Maybe the show will come out more than once a week. If you and Well, I mean, you never know. Uh, but if, if enough of people have comments, we'll set up a, a day where we can all jump on Skype and just do the commentary of our week's episode. Like next week is our second 
Marvel Spotlight episode. And why don't you tell them about uh, what we're going to be uh, talking about, David? Oh, the, the winner. I'll be glad to. We, we decided to throw the next topic up for grabs and or up in the air. Whichever one the folks clamored for the most would get the spotlight treatment. And out of the six nominees, and if you want to see which six, then that gives you a reason to go to the forum. Incredible Hulk, The Return of the Monster, is the winner of the second Marvel Spotlight episode. Chances are we will go through, uh, just like we did with Astonishing X-Men, the first 12 issues, uh, we will talk about Incredible Hulk numbers 34 through 39. So if you have anything to say about The Return of the Monster then uh, you'll want to get your comments in before next Thursday? Yeah. Thursday, right? You can even have them Ish. in. Yeah, you can even have them early Friday morning. That's cool. I can always just drop them in. Okay. But let us know if uh, if you would, if, aside from sending us a comment via the phone or posting your forum comments, you can, uh, you can let us know if you'd be available if you'd like to uh, to chat with us, I believe we have uh, we have at least another opening because if if it works out, uh, Mr. Jefferson Workman will be uh, will be joining us next week for his uh, his take on Return of the Monster. Can't wait! And uh, you can also contact us at Vince at bullpenbulletinspodcast dot com or David at that same address. Let us know what you're thinking if if. You think you were doing a decent job or a crappy job or, you know, I backed into you on the way to the Walmart. Just let us know. (laughs) I have your license plate number. I can ask people that haven't already to take the survey. The survey is over on the left-hand side of the the menu. Uh, Click on that. Takes uh, maybe eight minutes or so to do the survey. Just uh, fill it out for us if you can. It'll give us some feedback as to... um, whether or not the show's too short, show's too long. Please, if you can, fill out the survey. Stop by the bazaar if you're in the mood to... Actually, if you are in the mood to purchase Return of the Monster, how about that? You can definitely go pick it up at the uh, at the bazaar. And I do also want to thank Chris, who is the creator of ComicBookDB.com which is an online comic book database. If, if you want to know the all the work a particular creator did or how many issues of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2 there were, uh, this is the website for it. It's a beautiful website. It's, it's, um, it's laid out nicely. It's very easy to, to maneuver. You can actually register, sign up, and be a contributor yourself. So if, if you... Uh, if, if you have a complete run of the Fallen Angels miniseries and Kerry Gamble did not draw all those issues and someone actually posted that he did, you can go in once you're a registered member and you can fix that. If you have the issues right in front of you with the creator credits right there, by all means, go ahead, fix up any of the uh, creator credits that uh, that may be off and... Uh, and you'll be contributing to, uh, to to this great resource. But Chris was nice enough to um, give us a little little applet where, on again the left hand side of the menu, you will see two covers, two various covers, random covers every time the page loads of Marvel comics, whether they're Marvel, Epic, 
icon star. It, if Marvel published a comic book and the cover is in the comic book DB database, then you will see the cover eventually in the menu on our website. Have uh, have you seen any covers that, uh, that that really take you back or bring back any good memories, Vince? Oh, every day I see something I, I, I like. <laughs> but just to give a little um, love to Comic Book DB, we do a lot of research for the show. And before Chris and company started Comic Book DB, I would use the Grand Comic Book Database at uh, www.comics.org. And they may have more issues than Comic Book DB, but I'll tell you, I have washed my hands of the GCD because when I need to research something, I need the site to be there. Yes. Nine out of ten times, I'll click on it, and you'll just wait forever. Or even worse, even if it does come up, I'll go into the search field, and I'll put something, and I get zero returns. And it's like, so I'll put, okay, Amazing Spider-Man. When you get zero returns for Amazing Spider-Man for the title (laughs) of a comic book, you know something's up. So I, I, I don't usually pan something flat out, but in my opinion, the Grand Comic Book Database is not worth the effort. It's not reliable, and it doesn't perform well for me. So I've just the, the, I took them out of my bookmarks. The heck with it. I'll I will just use Comic Book DB from now on. And if it's not in Comic Book DB when I'm researching it, I will make sure to put it in because that's the whole that's the way that something like this works. Yeah. If if you're looking for a comic and it's not in there, then you know, do these guys a favor and yourself and other comic fans a favor and put this comic book in there so they will have a gigantic database of comics. And, you know, I'm pretty confident in, in saying that it'll work the way it's supposed to. If, if I access Amazing Spider-Man and then I click on Ron Garney, I'll then be taken to any comic book that Ron Garney has also worked on, be it Captain America, JLA, Amazing Spider-Man, and then I, I can also go back to Amazing Spider-Man, click on Bill Reinhold, and now I'm brought back to the Punisher or the Badger. And it's nice to have something where you don't have to do a lot of... Well, a lot of people go on the Internet. They don't like doing a lot of typing anyway. They like to be able to click, oh, there's another link. I'm going to click it. I'm going to go somewhere else. And it's... I mean, you could spend hours on this site you can have your own favorite creators and after last week's episode tommy lee edwards is 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 listed on there i was able to find so much work the man's been doing in in the in the over 10 years he's been in the industry and i just it's it's a great resource i i applaud chris and our buddy matt kramer darth kramer on the forums he's a um he's an administrator on the site and he's he's uh he's great when uh, when you have a question and what exactly is, is he still doing ho 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 yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. That's my 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 two and a half year old son has just discovered the phrase ho 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 Merry Christmas. So <laughs> you know what? I'm just I'm gonna leave that in. I would. <laughs> that's great. It's too damn funny. Uh-huh. And and just just so you can get a uh, a mental image of this, it's twelve oh six right now. And your boy's still awake. Yeah, and he's still awake and screaming, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. But, I mean, as far as Comic Book DB goes, the database is limited to the amount of records that it includes. So if if you're doing a search for Bill Reinhold and someone hasn't put a certain issue in there, it's not going to appear. That's the whole deal. You have to put these things in. Yeah. Everybody has to contribute to make this a, a worthwhile endeavor. And, I mean, they have thousands now. If we can scare up some... 
some support for these guys to put, you know, go in and volunteer your time just a little bit, even if you put one issue a day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, actually, that could be a nice challenge. But the it, it, it's as with any website, it's a work in progress. And especially come every Wednesday when new comics are out, these have to be entered. So, you know, you go to you go, you go to the comic shop on Wednesday. You get home, you sit down with your with, with your stack of books, and as soon as you're done reading that particular comic book, you're amped up and ready to talk about it on the internet and tell everybody that's that's visiting that website your thoughts and feelings on on on, a, on that particular comic book. Well, instead of also just going to that forum or that or, or that message board or that blog or any place where you want to say what you have to say about this comic book, make comicbookdb.com one of those stops. And enter the information on that comic book if someone already has it. Right. You don't even have to enter it. Just cut and paste what you wrote on the message board. And fill <laughs> no, well, really, that's I true. Mean, yeah. If, if you wrote a synopsis, then just cut and paste that into. That would the, be great. Yeah. Yes. You did it anyway. Why do twice the work? There you go. So yeah, stop by Comic Book DB. It's worth the effort. And uh, when you click on the link, chances are it'll show up in your browser, unlike the other guys. We better get this show on the road, brother, because... Yes. Although, oh, one, I'm sorry for keeping everybody from, from the discussion. I have to give a huge shout-out to Troy in Louisiana, who goes by SMADS on the, uh, the, the forum, S-M-A-D-Z. Uh, Troy wrote to me and said that um, he heard me say that uh, I had not read the Annihilation prologue or miniseries leading up to the event uh, Nova Silver Surfer Super Scroll, and Ronin the Accuser and or actually it was just called Ronin so no I did not read these 17 comic books leading up to Annihilation well, well Troy said okay you know what I'll, I'll, I'll send them to you so you can read them and he did but um, this this package did not just consist of these comic books Troy was was nice enough to also include the first six Daredevil hardcovers, the oversized hardcovers, starting with the Smith Quesada Palmiati run and going up to the most current uh, Bendis Maleev their their final issues before Brubaker and and Lark took over the title. And I can I just want to say thank you, extend my gratitude. I am I am speechless practically. I just, uh, yes. I, 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 yeah. Fat, fat <laughs> I, chance of that. I know, what can I do? <laughs> but, uh, the, um, I, I got a, I got a crap load of reading ahead of me, and uh, I believe it's safe to say that, uh, that there will be some, some, some daredevil spotlights in the near future, especially since Dan was, uh, was generous enough to send, to send Vince some of the, uh, some of the hardcovers his way. So, uh, yeah, in Troy, I, I am. I'm grateful. I thank you very much, and and uh, and I owe you one, buddy. So yeah, that was a really nice thing to do. And while you're listening to these two discussions or, uh, that we have on deck for you, keep in mind that they were recorded on Skype, and the first discussion sounds, you know, it's pretty much part of the course for bullpen bulletins. It's 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 good. It's very listenable. I did all I could with it, and uh, it sounds decent enough, I think. But the second conversation had a group of five guys, and if anybody, anyone who uses Skype knows that once you get past that magic number four and you add that fifth person, anything can happen, and anything did. 
and it doesn't sound all that great. I, I tried to, to you know do my best with it, but it's not the typical quality of our conversation. So just keep that in mind. But I, I, I felt like including it because there's a lot of really good information in there. And there's a lot of funny moments, I think, that I think you'll find it pretty much enjoyable too. So, uh, you know, forgive us a little bit for the quality of the second conversation as far as the audio goes. So keep that in mind and enjoy. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot to discuss after you've heard these. And if you do have something you want to say, like David said before, buzzline, forum, email, let your opinions be heard. Please do. Uh, we'll see you next week with Return of the Monster. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> Everybody in uh, podcast land, this is Braxton calling in just to give my two cents on the buzz line since Vince is urinating all over himself about it, you know, freaking out, scaring all the kids, running around, acting like a fool. Thought I'd call and uh, give my two cents. Everybody needs to be reading the Ultimate Fantastic Four. It's pretty good. Pascal's kicking ass over there. Everything looks cool. I'm digging it. And Thanos is actually Marvel Universe's version of Apocalypse. That's who he is. I figured that out when I was a little kid. Anyway, this is my call-in, so Vince, don't give me no shit. (laughs) It's the first Bullpen Bulletin's team-up. This time, we have Derek Coward who operates the Deliberate Noise Network, among many, many other things. And we are going to share our thoughts on Infinite Crisis and Civil War. Compare and contrast, we're going to try and you know, see where there may be a little bit of weakness in both of them and the positive uh, aspects of both of them. So, welcome, Derek. How are you guys doing tonight? Hello, Derek. You're doing great. And yourself? I'm doing okay. Derek, you... you David used to be called the man of a thousand podcasts. I think you pretty much knocked him off uh, the pedestal with that. Oh, yeah. Well, the difference is that David was on everybody else's podcast. (laughs) And my whole thing is whenever I get bored, I just start a new podcast. How many new podcasts have you uh, decided to start when you get bored? Well, I have eight podcasts altogether now. Good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. Well, some of them are more frequent than others. Um, I started off with Deliberate Noise, which is a um, music podcast. Um, Then I was going to do one that was just non-music, and it was going to just consist of whatever I felt like talking about. But I noticed that I was talking more about comic books than anything else, so I decided to make it comic book noise. Then as I was doing uh, comic book noise, I ran across, I had a, period of like four different shows where I was talking about movies, uh, comic book movies, um, superhero movies that are not based on comic books, that kind of thing. But I had done so, so many reviews and so much watching of movies that I decided to just start movie noise. And from there, I just went a little crazy. <laughs> I, have, I have a book review noise show. Um, I have an original story that I'm writing. I have... Uh, Another music show called um, Noise Box, where it's basically me talking. It's it's more along the lines of, let's say, the normal 
podcast type deal where you play a song, you talk, you play another song, you talk, play another song, say goodbye. That's all she wrote. Um, I could actually do more talking on that one than I do on Deliberate Noise. I also have a uh, heavy metal podcast called Box Online Heavy Metal Show. And, uh, oh, jeez, I missed one. Oh, yeah, Noise Talks, where it's like an interview show, but I don't like interviews. So it's just us, it's just me talking with people. The first one was with uh, Ru- uh, Bruce, with uh, Bruce Rosenberger. And I also talked with um, Rick Gordon from the Pop Cult Online. And, uh, and I know I'm missing another one. <laughs> you know, I find, it, I find it really odd that the only podcast you do without noise in the title is the heavy metal one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason, it does, it, the reason that one's not named Noise is I was originally going to do the Noise Box podcast as the heavy metal one, but when I was able to get the domain name for Box Online, which was my old website a long time ago, I decided, okay, I will use Box Online as the heavy metal show, which I was supposed to do with a partner, but I don't know about that one. And so it, it, it makes sense in my head. <laughs> so, so when do you sleep, if at all? Um, I sleep between the hours of 12 and 4, usually at night, but sometimes in the afternoon. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah, just don't tell my boss. God bless you. That That's a heck of a list of projects. It just... we, we, we have enough, barely enough time to put out ours and maintain the site and try to research. and. Yeah, it's tough. Well, in my, in, for full disclosure... The book review podcast. I had my first episode in August of 2005, and I didn't have my second one until September of 2006. <laughs> well, at least you're doing it. That that says a lot. That's that's cool. I'm I'm impressed. Oh yeah. Plus, I don't really do a whole lot of research. A lot of my noise is just shoot from the hip. That's cool though. I love the theme. There's a, there's a unifying theme. That's really neat. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Infinite Crisis, Civil War, what are we going to talk about first? Um, this whole thing started because um, I, on one of the uh, recent episodes of Comic Book Noise, each of us, I should say, with Comic Book Noise, there are actually three separate shows in the feed. There's the original Comic Book Noise, which I host. There's Thune, which is hosted by Tim Terrell, and Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise, which is hosted by my friend Mike Myers, different Mike Myers. Um, yeah, he, he gets that a lot. <laughs> radioactive man. Yes, on our form, yes. Yeah. We, um, we each read Civil War V. We each recorded a little segment for Comic Book Noise. And so we each had different, drastically different opinions on it. One of us loved it. One of us thought it was okay. And one of us absolutely hated it. And so I asked David if, you know, say, hey, you know, take a listen, tell me what you think. And um, in the comment part of the forum, in the, in the forum, um, I said something, and uh, David shot back with, well, how did you feel about the ending to Infinite Crisis? And that's how, I guess that's how this all started, isn't it, David? Yeah, and I, I don't want to, it, it, it pretty much is. I mean, the, um, the 
Okay, well, what, what Mike said was, he was talking about some of the tie-ins and the crossovers, and I believe, Derek, you're not. You're, you're pretty much concerned with Civil War, the miniseries proper. You're not really delving too much into any of the crossovers or tie-ins. And Mike was talking about the Avengers issue and how it uh, gave us a little bit more depth to Maria Hill. Now, I haven't read any of the Avengers Civil War issues either, and I haven't read Iron Man. The only Civil War tie-ins I'm reading are the comics that I'm currently getting, which is Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Wolverine, and you know, and, and Captain America. I, I don't think there's much else as far as any of the other main Marvel titles. But you responded to Mike by basically saying that there's, there was a completely separate comic book that fills in the blanks that were left behind due to poor storytelling in Civil War and that you couldn't believe it, which, of course, was naturally tongue-in-cheek. And then I asked you that I don't recall what you said on your feelings for infinite crisis and and you know as far as the minis leading up to it and the specials and and how you felt on the ending because for someone to talk about poor storytelling in civil war my response and and you know naturally i've said it before i'll say you know even with 52 but well more so with 52 but you cannot compare infinite crisis and civil war but because it's marvel versus dc and you have the marvel zombies and and the dc fanatics and everybody has you know a Everybody has to say why their company. You know, first of all, good comics is good comics. Whoever puts them out, puts them out. But who, you know, if someone's if someone's loyal to a company, then they're going to try to tell you why that company's story is better than the opposing company. And for someone to say that there's poor storytelling in Civil War, all I can come back with, at least right off the hip, is the fact that and this is and this, this was my writing to you when we were talking about the Noisy Awards was that DC puts out Infinite Crisis. It's a seven-issue miniseries written by Jeff Johns with a whole slew of artists, which strike one. The multiple artists, to me, didn't help the story. So now we want to make sure that we have as many artists as possible to try to get a story out on time. So, so we can talk about, do we either put out a story that doesn't have a consistent look to it as long as it's on time, or do we put out a story where, that has some consistency but there are some delays. We not only have the multiple artists, but we also have the fact that DC touted a double-sized seventh issue just because there's that much story. Well, to me, that's saying that, no, that's some poor planning and poor plotting on Jeff Johns' part because he couldn't fit it all into a regular 32-page comic book, so we're going to make sure all the story is told in the final issue. But we find out later that the whole story wasn't told in that seventh issue and in all of the seven issues because the collected edition will not only include more artwork but the artwork that should have been in the initial seven story, seven issues so I, I just I, I, I'm a little taken aback when someone says that there's poor storytelling in Civil War but the and I'm not saying you don't realize this but that it, it just it also needs to be shown that Marvel is not the only one that people can say does some poor storytelling. Well, my whole thing with the multiple artists in Infinite Crisis is to me it made sense that it would look that way because this was all about the fracturing of an entire universe, excuse me, an entire multiverse. So to have to have it look as disjointed as it did, it didn't really bother me. In fact, I kind of liked it that way. It wasn't until later that I found out, oh, that wasn't by design, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. It's like, oh, well, the best part about it is the thing that's wrong. Um, I, you're, you're right about the way that particular story was paced, but 
not once did DC ever say you only have to read Infinite Crisis to get the big picture. That is something that was said about Civil War. It said that you only really need to read Civil War to get the whole story. I'm not sure. I'm not positive of the exact quote, but I'm pretty sure that's what Joe Casada said. Now, he was probably in his huckster mode when he said it. The fact of the matter is, he said it. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, that's why I'm, I haven't read any of the other stories. No, well, I read one, which is one that I hope we can talk about, which is the new issue of um, Amazing Spider-Man. But I try to limit it to just the main thing. You know, every now and then I want to read what goes on in these other books. But towards these later issues of Civil War, it's like I have to in order to get the whole story, which is not what we were promised. Right. Um, I'm not going to defend Marvel at all because if if Joe Q said that, then, you know, I think that's a... A fault on his part and it is and it's not true you can read the seven issues or the five existing issues of civil war and get the whole picture and as when i say whole picture i mean the whole picture of this war but as with anything you're not going to get the fine details in a 22 page monthly book that's only you know this is a big story like infinite crisis Civil War encompasses the entire Marvel Universe. So, you know, you get everything you need to know about this battle in the pages of Civil War. But, as you said, there are things going on in the Marvel Universe that need a little bit of uncovering as far as the tiny details go, like in the pages of Wolverine. You know Nitro blew himself up in Stanford, and that's what ignited the whole thing. But do you know why Nitro blew himself up? Mm, not really. You, you knew that Speedball and the rest of the New Warriors made a little bit of an error in judgment, jumped the gun, and Speedball was put in a position where s this hair trigger, no pun intended, Nitro just did what he does, and he blew himself up, and people were killed. That's all you really need to know as far as Civil War goes. But when you pick up the rock and look underneath and you find there's a, there's a finer point to that story where, and if you're reading Wolverine, I, I don't know whether I should spoil this for you, but there's a reason why Nitro did what he did. And like you said, you wouldn't know that if you read Wolverine, but does that really matter in terms of how this war started? A, a supervillain blew himself up and killed innocent civilians. That's pretty much all you need to know. Yeah, and in the beginning, in the first few issues of the miniseries, that, you know, I, I really didn't have that big a problem with it. Okay. Okay, but in issue number five, they start right off with, um, well, not start, but it's pretty, towards, pretty much towards the beginning of um, Spider-Man and Iron Man in the middle of a conversation that actually, like, two seconds away from a battle mm -hmm. when if all you read is just civil war in number four you could see that peter was having some doubts but they weren't really that strong you know he's just wondering hey are, 
the Giver Wonder Four on the right side, but in the very next issue, they're coming to blows. Right. And they never say what happened to trigger it. And to me, that's bad storytelling. I mean, they could have just had a little blurb saying, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, right. No, no I, how I got I, that. Far. I completely understand what what you're you're saying, and I will agree with you. You don't get the finer points, but it, there is a logical progression between having some doubts in issue four and coming to blows in issue five. I mean, you you have to really connect the dots. If you're not reading Amazing Spider-Man or, say, Iron Man, which I don't read, but I'm assuming that there was something in there, too. But it, it, it's not that much of a stretch that, you know, that you would assume that their relationship has progressed to the point where Tony's not going to take no for an answer and Peter's not going to compromise his beliefs. So, I mean, knowing both characters based on... 50 or 60 years of or whatever it is of the Marvel Universe, you know what these characters are like. So, yeah, you have to fill in the blanks because, like I said, they only have 22 pages to do it. And we have to be honest with ourselves. These people are in the business to sell comic books. If they're going to get a, uh, another three bucks out of you for reading a book that you know enhances your enjoyment of a miniseries, they're going to do it. DC and Marvel, they're both very... I, I don't even want to call it guilty because it's not. They shouldn't be guilty of doing what they are designed to do, and that sell books. Goodbye, Fantastic Four. Time to join the Choir Invisible. You're you, you're right. There, there was a little bit le- uh, missing, but I, I don't think it it required that much on the reader to you know, make the logical jump as to how their relationship progressed like that. All I was really asking for is like maybe a panel before that where, you know, Peter says that he thinks things are wrong and he wants to leave and then boom, then you have the standoff. Just one panel. But we didn't get that. We they skipped all that and went directly to the fight. Which right. I also have a problem with the fight. But they Peter does say you, you're locking up heroes in the negative zone. You're not granting these guys due process. This is crazy. And Tony replies with, I'm acting like a police officer. I'm enforcing the law. So in one panel, you get Peter's reason. You, you're taking people and stripping them of their liberties. And Tony says, no, I'm not. I'm enforcing the law. You know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's all I need to know. But it could have been done with a little bit more finesse than one panel they they could have taken you know i i always look at it from a, from a plotting uh point they could have not had a full page with sue and, and johnny escaping the 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 cape killers that's Is that what they were doing yeah that yeah. that's that's unnecessary it looks real sweet well I, you didn't need a whole panel for it. it you didn't need a whole page right it really didn't look like they were escaping <laughs> like they were practicing something for the ice capades. Well, actually, it looks like they were in the middle of the, the throes of passion. See? No, <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's what I was waiting for. Now, okay, but what would have been nice since, since, since we have that first page 
the very first page of the comic book breaks down what's going on in the past five issues, it would have been nice, because chances are no one's just picking up Civil War number five because, hey, this looks like an interesting comic book. Let me pick up this book. They've probably picked up the previous four issues. Why not take that first page that recaps the miniseries or the and, and actually go into, actually just give a little blurb about what, what's happened in the last couple of pages of each comic that's starting off the mini. Like, Sue and Johnny escaping might happen in Fantastic Four 541, which I don't believe is shipped yet. But that's another comic that we might get a better understanding of those first couple pages in another comic book. The talk between Iron Man and, P- and Spider-Man starts in Amazing 535. That first page of Civil War could have said that in Fantastic Four... 540 and Amazing Spider-Man 535, Peter Parker and Iron Man go to visit Reed at the Baxter building and blah 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 and now we get the Spider-Man and Iron Man conversation and then when they're fighting and and Derek we will definitely get into Amazing Spider-Man 536 after Iron Man and Spider-Man are shown and don't even get me started about those couple of pages of Spider-Man trying to escape from Iron Man. We've heard that. Yeah, so we, but we pick up those pages in Amazing 536, and what I really liked about Civil War number 5 is that this was the first time to me that it it became so apparent that I I really did get a lot more enjoyment by reading the comics that I'm I'm normally getting. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man 536, Fantastic Four 540, Punisher War Journal number one, and they all kind of met in 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 Civil War number five, which which I really liked. Yeah, they mesh really well. But yeah. as as far as the recaps you're talking about, that should be in Civil War. That's exactly what Marvel's doing with Annihilation. If you're reading that, yes. So yes. you're right. That would have been a very welcome addition to this book because I don't know everything about that's going on in the Marvel universe. I'm I'm sure there are. You know, thousands of readers who don't keep up on every single book. It's very difficult and very expensive to do that. So, a, a page in the in the in the beginning, we don't need a panel showing an event from Civil War Four because anybody who's read five has read four. They know that they've seen that panel before. It's 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 nothing new. You know, take that text, make it a little smaller do it in a couple columns, recap. That would be the perfect thing to, to launch a miniseries that, that is this complex. Be, because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like in, in Infinite Crisis, there was a lot of stuff t- to account for. You, you had the uh, four miniseries going in, and, you know, there was a lot of weight to three out of the four of them. And the, that just spiraled into Infinite Crisis. And I don't remember. Was there recaps on the first page of Infinite Crisis? I, no. I, I've blocked the whole painful memory. Yes, I know. I Well, I, I, I can't forget issue four. But no, I, I don't believe there were recaps. Um, and, and, and getting back to Infinite Crisis and, and the lead-ins, that is one area where I will disagree with Derek, is that you, know, you, you, you got a kick out of Joker at the end of Infinite Crisis number seven, but I wasn't reading Villains United. And I was told, like, and I don't remember DC saying, you know, you'll get more out of it or, or you should read the lead-ins. I read, I mean, it, it was advertised to me. They hit me over the head with it 
in the 80-page giant countdown where, you know, at the end of each chapter leading up to Ted Kord's demise, you know, it was like, okay, now that you're now that you're done seeing, you know, Ted go here and solve this mystery, now go read the Ranthanagar War or now go read the, the Days of Vengeance. And But I didn't. And there was a lot of stuff as Infinite Crisis went on, especially in those last two issues, where I was... I was. Re- I, I think out of the four, I probably would have enjoyed Villains United out of the at the most out of the four of them. And and reading Villains United, I probably would have gotten more out of Infinite Crisis than I did. But I I I felt deflated at the end of the. It, it was a complete 180 from how I felt seeing Barry in issue four to how they ended with with, with number seven. And Vince and I, and we met Vince and I mentioned this on Comic Timing 10B when we were talking with Sean from Raging Bullets and, and Ian, it was it was not apparent to me that Clark Kent was powerless. But apparently he was. And and, and I'm sure a lot of other people were, were smart enough to pick up on that. I wasn't. It wasn't clear to me. So again, you know, going back to the poor storytelling point, that there were I mean, I'm not I don't expect to be hit over the head. I've been reading comics for many, many years. There are a lot of things I get, but then there are some things that I guess should just be so apparent and, and, and glaringly obvious that, that I just completely miss. See, I have to disagree with you on that one. I I thought it was pretty obvious that, you know, Clark was powerless, but we're just picking No, and, and right, no, I don't want to split hairs right. I mean yeah. and that's fine. That that's absolutely fine. And um the whole thing with Joker, I, I don't really, I'm not understanding. What was your problem with Joker in uh, is my that, problem as far as Infinite Crisis goes? Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't get the whole part with with Lex telling whoever the hell Joker shot or oh he shot Alexander right? Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that whole part about you know you should have let Joker play. Okay, okay, fine. I understand that that Joker can be bratty and, and Joker wants his way and and this is Joker's revenge. But revenge on what? What what did I miss in the in the prior six issues of Infinite Crisis that Joker didn't get his way? That he figured that you know what I'm going to kill Alexander Luthor. I didn't see Joker at all. I saw Black Adam. I saw Psycho right. Pirate. I yeah. saw Power Girl. Joker wasn't invited to the party. That has the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that happened within the pages of Infinite Crisis. That Joker didn't make an appearance in Villains United. Right until. The- that that one appearance, which to me just it made me laugh. In fact, when I read it, I'd laugh like the Joker. I was cracking up. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, this well, is I his just, appearance, and he made it. He made quite a bang. He, it, it, I think it occurs in the first issue when Joker's l- overseeing the damage done to the Royal Flush Gang. Is that their name? I do. Okay, I remember seeing him there. Yeah. Okay, and and he all says, right. you know, what's all this going on? Why? Why wasn't I invited to play? And and okay. jo- you know, John's used that as a bookend. He introduced the Joker in the first issue, and you didn't see him until I think the seventh issue. So uh, I hate. Okay, that. so maybe I was livid, and and I and I it just it, it clouded my judgment. I'll, I'll I'll be more than happy to grant you that. And I, I yeah. then it does make sense. Well, the funny I, thing I, is, I, the funny thing is, David, I don't even remember that part. <laughs> I don't even remember that scene. I, I do remember the Royal Flesh Gang early on. I definitely remember that because I've always liked them. Yeah, yeah I remember them, but I didn't remember the Joker was there at all. Yeah, it, okay. It was. I'm. I'm pretty sure it was right after the panel where Black, not the panel, but I'm sorry, the page where Black Condor got fried and the the whole um, Freedom Force thing that was going on. The very next scene is the Joker. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I go back and read that. Yeah, but um, I 
as we've said before, I really was enjoying the ride in Infinite Crisis up until, you know, issue five. I started to notice a little bit of um, chinks in the armor and that uh, nasty stuff started to leak through and it just, by the time the seventh issue rolled around, it just overwhelmed me that uh, it just turned very, very, very wrong for me for some reason. Uh, for a lot of reasons. And I, if we're going to compare the two, and to go back to what David said, that you, you, you can't, comp- it's not a, you know, a very fair comparison, comparing Civil War and Infinite Crisis. I pretty much think it's, you, you can compare the two. I, I don't think you can compare reasonably uh, Civil War and 52. That's a whole nother ball of, right. you know, of uh, something. <laughs> but uh yeah civil war and fifth and uh infinite crisis yeah because you had your lead-ins going into infinite crisis in civil war you had those issues of various marvel titles within ongoing series called the road to civil war and you had the illuminati special it's the same thing that dc did with infinite crisis only they singled these out as finite series and they just led you in with those so both publishers did the same thing in effect they uh they had specials and or mini series to to you know pave the way to 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 get your your juices flowing and try and you know generate some excitement for these two mini series events i guess you can call them so yeah in in effect they they they're both this the same beast it's just two different companies so i i guess is when i guess i'm trying to say in a roundabout way is they're basically the same things yeah with 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 um infinite crisis the storytelling there at times is very convoluted very convoluted um there were to me some twists and turns that didn't need to be made. I mean, um, you mentioned Barry coming back. That was cool, but it really wasn't necessary. You know? Kind of along the lines of the God of Thunder coming back? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean... Now, I saw that as a nod to 20 years earlier with with Christ's on Infinite Earth, so right. that's why I got the kick yeah. out of that. Yeah, me, same here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was really cool, but... I was a Barry Allen fan, and when 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 he bit the big one, that like I put the comic book down and I didn't read another one for a good half an hour to an hour. Okay, <laughs> just getting over that. So to see him come back like that, it just I'm glad that they put it in Infinite Crisis and it only lasted a little while, rather than them trying to milk it in the regular series. But it just really wasn't necessary. To me, Civil War started off really strong. Okay, nobody can take away that first issue. That first issue was excellent. You had the explosion in Stanford, and you had that awesome Captain America sequence escaping from the helicarrier. Since then, it seems like they, they, they. I don't know how to put it. It's like they know what kind of story they want to tell. But they just aren't telling it. You know, it's like they want to be very cinematic. When to me, Marvel Marvel's miniseries and events really haven't been these big bombastic things. Okay, DC does major universe-altering things a lot better than Marvel does. 
Marvel does these these personal stories a lot better. Yeah, I think you just answered your own question. That that's the thing about Civil War. It's not about superheroes. It's about, and I'm gonna I use this term loosely because not all of them are of this type. It's about human beings. Civil War is a very human story, whereas Infinite Crisis, the scope of that thing was was cosmic. You you had a in in essence a god freaking out and it affected the whole universe. Civil War doesn't affect affect the whole Marvel universe. It affects the planet which is comprised of human beings and it's very hard to do a cinematic story when you're talking about issues like human rights and you know what what values and beliefs do people hold dear when in infinite crisis you had a group of people wandering through space to stop an interplanetary war do you you know what i mean that's big that that's your summer blockbuster civil war is is um you know fried green tomatoes with some battle sequences you know what i mean it's about people i and that's that's actually the point I was getting to. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you were actually making my point for me. Galactus, I beg you, stop in the name of humanity. What knows Galactus of humanity? That's the way they have it all set up. That's the way it should be, but it just seems to me like they're trying to make it bigger than it actually needs to be. Right. It, I understand what you're trying to, what you are saying. I, I, I do get that. No, it's, it's, it's like when I read Civil War, I want to read that human drama. I want to read how these heroes are being affected of the fact that they're going up against their, their, their buddies, their pals, the people who've had their backs for years, their husbands, their wives, their brothers, you know. I'm just not getting that. I just don't get that feeling. Maybe I do have to read all the other books, but that's not what I was told. Right. Now, if they if they started off with this really human story with um, Civil War, and they branched out so that everything else around it was large and bombastic, you know, and all these other titles, I really wouldn't have that big a problem with it. I personally think that they don't have the right writer to write that kind of a story. I th- I think the the larger than life huge bombastic scenes that you're you're I don't want to say requiring but that you're looking for those are just exclamation points in this story those aren't the be all and end all whereas in Infinite Crisis those big points those those huge cosmic space faring galactic things they were the means and the end you, you you because you're you're talking about and i, I and i hate to repeat myself but you you're talking about a god how do you understand what this person is thinking when they can move planets you can't do it, it, it so you need to show this character doing these huge impossible feats and that's that's the whole point of of what they were what they were doing was that this this character is not human in, in civil war you have the disillusioned soldier captain america his he feels like the the institution that he has 
loyalty to and has fought for 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 years has turned its back on him. So you get the personal with Captain America. You get the personal with Peter Parker. You know, it's 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 the human side that drives civil war. And in um, in Infinite Crisis, I you saw some of that with you know Clark and Bruce and Diana and their relationship. They may Diana may be a god, but first and foremost, she's a human being. She's there, there's a personality you can understand that character. But when you throw something into the mix where you know you have to span light years that it's it 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 dehumanizes the story it takes takes away from it you know how can you sympathize with characters you can't understand or, or even attempt to understand and i don't think civil war requires those huge sequences when it would take the focus away from what the story is really about and that's people well i don't really see civil war as focusing on the people. I see it more as focusing on the things that they're doing, but without any real motivation behind them. You know, you, you're, we are told that um, Tony, Tony Stark, Stark. Okay. thank you, <laughs> we're told that Tony Stark knows what he's doing, okay? That Tony Stark has taken genetic material from Thor, and that Tony Stark has done this and he's done that, but we don't even really know why. Whereas with Captain America, excuse me, Steve Rogers, because I refuse to call him Captain America, he gave up his uh, right to call that the second <laughs> he started punching it. Totally innocent S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who were just doing their job. Uh, by the way, in case you can't tell which side of uh, pro-reg and anti-reg I'm Yeah, on. we're not going to agree on this, are we? <laughs> no, actually, I'm, just, I'm just making a lot of noise right there. He gives speeches about wanting to wanting to uh, fight the good fight and protect people and and fight crime or whatever it is he keeps talking about. But all I've seen him do is fight Iron Man and then spend the rest of the issues sitting in a wheelchair, isn't he? I mean, he's he's battered and broken, and he, you know, ever since he he left that Shield helicarrier and he told that kid to uh, watch his language. He hasn't acted like the Captain America that I've been reading for the past 30 years. At least he hasn't to me. Well, let's assume, let, let, let's take for granted that the United States in the Marvel Universe is the very same United States that we live in. Just for the sake of argument, because, I mean, it probably is. Mm-hmm. And that, that United States is founded on the very same Constitution that ours is founded on. Okay, so you have Captain America, who is a soldier. He 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 is he fights for an ideal. He doesn't. He, he fights for the Constitution, no matter who is enforcing that Constitution. When he realizes that the people that are elected to, or in charge of enforcing this Constitution and the laws that fall under it, have lost their way and aren't really acting out the law of that document or the the spirit of that document i should say a good soldier would fight for the ideals expressed in the document not for the people who are enforcing it that's a good soldier you can it's i think it's a soldier's right isn't it that whenever their commanding officer gives them an order that they find in violation with what they're supposed to do they can disagree with that order and not act on it 
That that's the right of the soldier. That's what Captain America is doing. These people have taken the spirit of the Constitution away, and he's fighting for that Constitution. There's there's people being now they're superhuman people, but still they're they're people being incarcerated just on the basis of not signing a, a law which they think violates their liberties. Now, uh, as far as I remember, in in civics, you know, people under I mean, again, if this is the same Constitution under the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment, you are guaranteed due process, life liberty and property so captain america is looking at this and he's saying holy crap they're throwing people in gulags basically in in um extreme conditions and and they're not being charged with anything other than not signing this document which is in which is unconstitutional in itself so as a good soldier he's saying wait a minute this this thing I'm fighting for for years and years and years, you guys are totally tramping it in the mud. I'm not going to stand for this. This is not my America. And then when it comes down to it, what is America? Is America a bunch of documents or is America a group of people? So Captain America is standing up for himself and fighting for what he thinks is right. And as far as him punching shield agents, as far as he can, as he's concerned, they're the enemy. Because they're enforcing the laws that he does not believe in. I, I think this is the most heroic Captain America's been ever. Yeah, I, well, I can almost see that. I can see how he, um, how he walked away from his country. How he did not speak up and go to the people and express his disconcern. He um, attacked he, those people and he has taken up arms against this nation. That's the way I see it. Oh I mean, no, I think Yeah, I, you, you said he's taking up arms against the nation. No, he's not. He's taking up arms against the people enforcing laws that are unconstitutional. He still fights for that document, that 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 piece of paper on which all this mess is founded. That's what okay. he's. That's what he's fighting for. He's not. He, you know, there there are no entities to which Captain America is beholden other than that constitution. Who does who does Captain America report to? You know, I mean, he he's he's a uh, a self I don't want to say self-employed, but he, I mean, Captain America does he he's he's the Punisher without the violence. You know, but he never kills anybody, but he's fighting a battle against those that which those that would destroy the spirit of America. That's what Captain America is supposed to do. Well, it just seems to me that he's picking and choosing which laws he wants to enforce and which ones he doesn't. There are there have been stories where we've seen things from the eyes of the so-called villains, the lawbreakers, and a lot of times they don't see what they're doing is wrong. Right, but and it, I'm pretty sure in terms of civil war, though, we only have to concern ourselves with the five issues that you know came out. That anything else, as far as you know, our discussion that. And, and as far as Captain America, I don't see how that would apply. I mean, all we have to go on are these five issues and the character of Captain America, what what he has represented in the Marvel Universe since Jack and Joe, uh, Joe Simon uh, created him. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's like this Civil War, the miniseries, is a story within a bigger story bigger story so all we have to go on now is the story as presented in these five issues so okay. i understand what you're saying but I, I i can't say that i agree with it 
that the story within these five issues is one where Steve Rogers is breaking the law on an almost constant basis. He, uh, he's, Steve he's, Rogers. He's, Steve Rogers attacked those Shield agents before the Registration Act was signed into law. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So he's. So he's, he was not. So he wasn't fighting against an unjust law at the time. What he was doing was assaulting those people, trying to save his own skin. He was protecting himself to fight the battle he knew was coming. He's not a Steve Rogers is a very smart man. He's a he's a tactician. When you see a bunch of shield agents with guns aimed at your head and they and and Maria Hill tells you, you know, we have plans for you. And he kind of saw which way the wind was blowing. He said, I don't think so. When when you have this agent that you know as far as Maria Hill, when you have this I guess you can call her his commanding officer, right? As far as rank goes, would you think shield agents? Yeah, because she's the new. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, she's she's basically tell him, telling him, you are now stripped of any kind of rights you have, and you're working for us now. That I can't see where that's a. Uh, in, in, if the registration act wasn't passed, then where it was just an idea or it was going through the proper channels, so the 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 document didn't exist, and she's telling him, "You don't have any rights. You work for me. We have plans for you." She's not granting him his rights. Yeah, it's, it's, he may have felt that she was just jumping the gun. That you know, he doesn't know where she's coming from, so instead of basically surrendering himself to her based on what she's just talking about and there's no real proof yet he's going to do what he has to do to, I, I, look at it from if, if this was you know he doesn't know maybe perhaps Red Skull has possessed her so if this was a regular Captain America comic he's going to do what he can to make sure that he's just trying to I, I'm looking at it, he's trying to get to the bottom of it you just made and me then laugh. it I, I, well, of course I did <laughs> why? Yeah, the Red Skull. <laughs> oh, why not? It's topical. It's, in, it's, it's and, in the comic and, and, it, and it is a comic book story. But let's let Derek talk some more. Because Absolutely. I, I, I want to hear more about what Derek has to say. I, I need to hear more. <laughs> he, he, he's a lawbreaker. He is a supervillain. I never thought I'd see the day where people like Bullseye and, uh, what was his name, uh, Jack-O-Lantern, who, by the way, does not have a pumpkin head, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Norman Osborn would uh, technically be the superheroes, and Steve Rogers and his band of merry men are the uh, supervillains. They're the ones who are knowingly going out there breaking the law on a daily basis. How do you define patriotism? I, I want to hear the Derek Coward definition of patriotism. Uh. <laughs> And I'm not setting you up. I just, I just want to, you know, I want to hear your side, and then, you know, maybe I'll tell you my side, and then we'll see where we, where we, we, we meet, or if we meet. Patriotism to me means defending my country to the very, to my very last breath, basically. Okay. To show love for the ideals and principles that this nation was founded upon. And and I realize that you're probably going to say that's exactly what Steve Rogers is doing. You know me so well. I just, I can see how he thinks he's doing that. But at the same time, I can also see why he would be labeled a terrorist 
by those in power. Oh, I agree with you. I could definitely see why he would be uh, labeled a terrorist. Because he's doing things that disrupt their agenda. And as far as they're concerned, they're using that. But the way I see it is, you know, just because a law is put into effect, the way I look at it is, who makes laws? Elected officials. What are elected officials? They're human beings. Now, if human beings are fallible, it would, you know, logical conclusion is the law can be fallible. The law is not perfect. And, you know, it's it's been done many times before where laws were enacted to protect and derive profit for the powerful and the rich. So, I mean, your average guy is not in these officials in the minds of the officials when they're they're coming up with these laws i don't want to say all the time but let's just for the sake of argument say you know maybe 10 percent of the time that's still 10 percent of the time this registration act it, it it's not in accord with the constitution they're they're forcing you to do something against your will you, it, it, they're ignoring your beliefs they're ignoring your rights as a person you know and they're saying if you do not comply with this you are a criminal you are an enemy of the state and you will be incarcerated just for the fact that you won't sign this they're telling you you will become a licensed and trained soldier for the united states or you're an enemy now of course the villains aren't going to sign up for it but you know because they don't have they have nothing to gain other than the you know the thunderbolts who realize hey this isn't a bad deal but um as far as they're concerned because they can be as vicious as they want and still and and they're not lawbreakers anymore because they're they're buying into the the system but captain america says wait a minute this is exactly what my fathers and i fought against since since world war 1 this this is oppression this is somebody telling us you will conform to me or that's it. I mean, how is that not a good soldier? He's defending the Constitution. That's what that's what elected officials and and soldiers are supposed to do. Okay, but this is not the seventeen and eighteen hundreds. You can't just pick up arms against a nation and not expect for there to be repercussions. This is a bad law. I'm not disputing it's a bad law. I'm just saying, hey, it's a law. You have to follow it. If Captain America were to um, fight this law in the courts, it would make for a very boring comic book, but You're right. it would be a lot more realistic, and I would not have a problem with it. If, if Captain America decides that he wants to go and debate the architects of the law, take it in front of the Supreme Court, which I'm pretty sure, even in comic books, there's no way a Supreme Court even with our current um, cactistocracy that we have now, there's no way they're going to let this one go by. Okay, You like that new word I learned? It's a good <laughs> word. <laughs> cactistocracy. It's uh, <laughs> what that means is the um, it's a government run by the uh, least qualified people nice. of, um, of a society. Well, at least we agree on that. That's right. So if if he fought it within the system, okay, 
but it's not it's like he's not even trying okay if they just had like one little thing where he's on the phone with a constitutional lawyer trying to get this thing pushed through you know get get something pushed through to the supreme court so they could could overturn this law okay then his motives are a little wacky but at least he's fighting a battle on two fronts right now it looks like he's just fighting a battle on one front and it just doesn't seem like it's going very well and if you don't believe me ask uh, black goliath yeah poor guy but as far as him fighting that law the law is already a law it's it's been it, it's gone through the proper channels it's been voted into law wouldn't he be considered a criminal on the very f- by the very fact that he's fighting this law and he hasn't signed the 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 appropriate papers and he hasn't revealed his identity he, he as far as that law is concerned he's a criminal that's why I say put him on the phone with a lawyer from the ACLU but what's stopping the people from turning him in I'm, I'm not saying the people from the ACLU but you know as in the real world I'm sure there's wiretapping going on and you know surveillance Captain America just picked up the phone and is talking to somebody from the ACLU. We got a pinpoint on him. Let's go get him. You know that this is this is a, in effect a war. He, Captain America knows this. He's not going to peek his head out of the hole unless he wants to get slammed down or there's a risk of him being slammed down. He knows this, so he he can't fight this through the proper channels. Yeah, but he can go and try to stop a chemical fire. I should say a fire at a chemical plant. Well, he does what he does. I'm sorry, but he's doing it very, very badly. I mean, he can he can stop a fire, and he'll poke his head up for that, but he won't poke his head up to to try and get rid of a bad law. I guess I, I would chalk it up to Steve saving innocent lives, saving people from, from harm. That's what he's done. Now, do you think Captain America would see people... In, in in harm's way and just walk away I better get my ass out of here because if I don't they might capture me no he's going to sacrifice himself to save people that's what that's Captain America that's Steve Rogers he's a good soldier he's a he's the humanitarian he saves lives he helps people okay but don't you think he would be helping a lot more people by getting this law off the books who's to say he will they have a pretty powerful motivational force behind this law, the Stanford incident. Innocent people, not only people, innocent kids died in this law. This law was steamrolled through the channels and got put into into effect. Much like, you know, the real world with the Patriot Act. There was a big motivational force behind the Patriot Act. Somebody just knocked down two of our buildings and, and killed thousands of people holy crap we can't let this happen again we have to have laws to prevent this we have to have the means to go out and get these people before they come and get us it's that's what happened there's a huge public opinion early on to get this law put into effect and you saw it in the first issue of civil war with the mother that was that was the reality this woman lost her son in this battle and she came and told tony you know look 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 what happened why weren't you why couldn't you stop this and and you know she she spit on him i think that more than anything affected tony because like sue said he's a mama's boy the guilt plays a big part in in tony stark's 
the person of Tony Stark. Look, look at in the Armor Wars. What did he do? He saw that his technology was being used for harm, and he went down and he hunted it all down, and he, he, he took it away from the wrongdoers. That's what he's trying to do here. He's trying to take the potential to harm innocent people away from potentially harmful entities. So that's what Tony Stark is doing. But he's going about it the wrong way. He's, he's, he's throwing the blanket over everybody when it's only a small percentage of the people that are doing the damage and everybody's affected by this. And that's what Steve Rogers has a problem with. You, you can't damn everybody for the sake of a couple bad apples. He, being Steve Rogers, hasn't even tried to find um, an alternative way around this thing. At least Tony Stark... Is trying things. He sees, all right, this is a legitimate problem. These these people who are just running free, running wild, doing whatever they want to do. Okay, we've tried for years to just beat them up and throw them in prison. That doesn't work. Okay, we've got to try something new. At least he's trying. Because Tony has the luxury of working for the side that's has the upper hand. Uh, that that's why he's trying all these things because he doesn't have to worry about being spotted. Or, you know, a group of costumed criminals ripping him out of his, you know, hiding hole and, and you know, bringing him into the authorities. He's, Tony Stark has the luxury of being the top dog. Steve doesn't. Steve is the wanted man. I'm sorry, but Steve Rogers had that opportunity. He blew it when he started beating up S.H.I.E.L.D. agents in issue number one. <laughs> he, he had the opportunity to change their minds when he was surrounded by men with guns and a woman that told him that she was now an employee of the United States government, or he was an employee. You know, it, he's the vigilante now. He's, he's the wanted man. He disagrees with the status quo as far as the people who made the law are concerned, and he's public enemy number one. And they know this because he's the image that's going to shock people out of their their blind acceptance of this unconstitutional law and rally the troops. That's what Captain America is. He's the, he's the motivational force. That's what she said. We need you. Why? Because he's a walking spirit of America. He's, he's the Constitution with two legs and a shield. Tony knows this. Maria Hill knows this. They all do. And, and if Captain America says, uh-uh, this isn't right, that's going to instigate a lot of people to feel the same way. And who's, you know, even if he's wrong, if, if Steve took Tony's side in this, he's still that symbol, you know? If, if the tables were reversed and Tony said, I can't abide by this, it's not right. And, 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 um, and Steve was the one who, who was going along with it. He's the essential cog in the machine. They need Captain America, not Spider-Man. He's, he's not a symbol. He's an everyman. He's, he's you and me. Captain America is, is the Constitution. David? We know the side I'm on. I, I just, I wanted to hear two different sides. I, I can't, can see what, where Derek's coming from because he, it, it's a little bit more insight than just what I'm used to hearing from people that are either on Iron Man's side or on the pro-reg side, so I do appreciate that, but I... You know why? Because he backs it up with knowledge. Yeah, that helps. That's right. There's So, it, it did... It opened my, I mean, it didn't change my mind, and, and I'm still, this part of me know that Cap's in the wrong, yet maybe a little bit, but that's still the side I'm on, I still don't, and and what helps is that Derek didn't just say that 
you know, this is the law, and Cap has broken it, and so did his Secret Avengers, and Iron Man's on the side for it. it Derek knows it's a, it, it's a bad law, and that helps because we know it is. And it, it, it just, like I said, it opened... It, it it helps to open my eyes a little bit to see things a little differently because yeah I I'm not wearing blinders reading this story but I I can be a little focused on what my beliefs are as far as where the story is going or who whose side I'm on but I I just I hell this is great I almost made some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Dallin calling. Just wanted to say congrats on your first pro interview. And with Tommy Lee Edwards, no less, I thought it was exceptional. I loved every minute of it. In fact, I thought you put those other guys to shame. What are they called? Um, Comics Abound? Abound Comics? Whoever. Anyway, you made those guys look like hacks. Hacks, I tell you. Looking forward to your next interview, whoever it may be. Keep up the good work. Love ya. Love ya. We've got a room full of people here to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 536. In this corner, we have Derek Coward back with us again. We have Mr. Michael Myers, not the actor who played Austin Powers or the psychopath from the Halloween movies. It's Radioactive Man, a.k.a. Michael Myers. Hello. And somebody named David Price. Yeah, and, yeah. And Mr. Comic Timing himself, Ian Levenstein. I don't have to add it. I don't have to add it. <laughs> so, like I said, this is all about Amazing Spider-Man 536. A, a, just an, a, like the title says, it's an amazing book, and I hope we all feel the same way, though I'm not too sure. I, so, I loved it. Well, okay, so let's start this off. Um, how many in the room enjoyed this issue? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I've been enjoying all the Amazing Spider-Man issues, Civil War related. And Derek? Mm, that just leaves Derek. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed um, I enjoyed the artwork. Oh. <laughs> okay. Were there too many JMS-isms for you, Derek, or what? No, actually, um, I, 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 I enjoy the artwork. I thought the coloring was excellent. Um, uh, I, I need to ask then: Did you enjoy this? Sto- did you enjoy the story at all, regardless of the Civil War tie-in? But did you enjoy the story that was presented? Um, on my notes that I have written down here. Big I no. said that uh, JMS actually made chicken salad. And I'm pretty sure you guys know the rest of that little phrase. And there were issues that I had. I don't know what it means. You don't know the one about making chicken salad out of chicken shit? No. <laughs> no I don't either. <laughs> well, I certainly know it now. <laughs> yeah. My personal favorite has always been uh, Bula Bays out of bullshit. But anyway, um... I thought that given with what he had to work with, the particular story, the particular uh, setting, that he did a a yeoman's job. If this book was a woman, then she would be a handsome woman. Okay. Uh, with That'd a nice be- personality. Just so everybody knows, let's let's go down the, the list of creators on this particular book. Like you said, the writer was J. Michael Straczynski. Pencils by Ron Garney. 
inks by the great Bill Reinhold, color by Matt Miller, and if you that name sounds familiar to you, it should. <laughs> That was, was that? That was awesome. <laughs> I, can, Man, can you if, do that again? If ever, if that a was that, that one. Wow. That, that's the, I. I don't have a um a you've got mail thing that happens every time I get an email. <laughs> oh my god! That was perfectly placed though, because and he might sound familiar because. <laughs> I, I like that Don't a lot. Know, please. And, and if that name sounds familiar, it's because Matt Miller colored Ramita Jr.'s run on Amazing Spider-Man. And when you look at this, it looks a lot like Ramita's stuff, and I think a lot of it has to do with the colors. Yeah. And the letters were by Corey Petit. Now everybody knows who's responsible for this thing. I Well, let's not hear what I have to say about it first. Let's go around the table. Michael. I, I really enjoyed it. I uh, I don't know what, my, what the only parts that that I didn't care for was they kind of uh, ha- this had the same feel that Amazing Spider-Man. I can't remember the issue, but when uh, Aunt May and Mary Jane said, "Go pull your mask off," it kind of had the same feel, but it was like looking at it in the mirror, the reverse feel, and uh, it, it didn't really have an, an emotional impact for me, but. It was a pretty good story, and I didn't—I didn't really get that flashback sequence. I don't—I don't know why that was there, with uh, little Peter and Pete talking in the playground. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. Iron Man's outfit up front looked like it was a different outfit. It, it actually that. looked good. Yeah, it for, had, it had a, a lot of. Did he always have that rib area? Yeah. Okay. It just always makes them look emaciated. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was it was a fairly good issue. I didn't know who that bum was in the street, <laughs> who they who went to talk to Aunt May. Did you guys know who that was? He was a bum. Did not want to forget any consequence. I think uh, MJ was getting shortchanged on that offer. Yeah. <laughs> she, she 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 she's definitely worth more than two hundred. Oh, and then I I wanted to point out that. Uh, Mary Jane picture right across from the Rocky diagram. I thought of uh, you, Vince, when you go boobies. Yeah. <laughs> I I do go boobies a lot, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> so let's go to Ian. I know if if Michael's done, I know Ian has a lot to say about this particular issue. No, nothing at all. I, I no. don't even know why I'm here. All right. <laughs> now, is it just me, or does every single Marvel issue? that's supposed to be quote-unquote important have to open up with a conversation that has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the issue. I, this It pissed me off when, when Bendis did it on Disassembled in that first issue with that uh, almost like that Sex and the City conversation between the Avengers before, you know, everything started going to hell. And now here we are right before Spider-Man and Iron Man end up on the floor. There's a conversation at a freaking like hot dog stand about uh, metaphors, and I don't even know what the hell is going on there. But then the next page is actually action, so there you go. I, I like some of the story. It's just that I still think that JMS's best work is in television. He should just leave the comic books behind and go back to be- go back to doing what he does best in television, because way too much of those quips just felt like they really did not belong. 
and he was almost trying too hard at points. But the story itself, I understood, and I could understood why it was there. The art sold this issue for me. This was the best Spider-Man has looked since J.R. Jr. actually drew him, and I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> um, um, can I just just make two little um, things there? You can make four if you want. Yeah. Okay. There was, you know, the the, the page where um, where Aunt May said that that they would stick together when she wakes up, and it, it's like the last panel on the page. Mm-hmm. She looks creepy. Panel. <laughs> <laughs> I took one look at that, and I was like, what the hell happened to Aunt May? She looks like she's getting ready to, you know, smile and say, hi, Peter, you're going to be one of us, and take a big butcher knife out. She just looks really yeah, scary. Like Anthony, Anthony Perkins smile. Yeah, see? see? Psycho. Okay. <laughs> Not just me. I didn't but, notice it. At least she doesn't look like she's about to die like some artists draw her. Was Yeah, well. And the last panel where they have the really big-headed Iron Man, Iron Man should never be seen that large. Oh, I thought the inks were gorgeous on that last panel. I looked at that, and I had to put it at arm's length. It was like, whoa, that's too close. Bill what, Reinhold Peter is... Peter Dexum? No, the last panel. No, the, the very last panel. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that, I, I didn't like that one at all. I, I think Bill Reinhold's inks are just fantastic. Yes. He, he, he's got a... It's almost like a controlled sloppiness... He he used to have that back in um, his days on Badger. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody read it, but yeah, I have like almost all the issues. And the ones that here on that he he um, his his run on them he he has just what you said, Vince. He has that controlled sloppiness, and that's the kind of art I like. Yeah, same here. But I don't like that picture of Iron Man. Garney, Garney's art has gotten better and better as he's gone on this uh, on this title more and more, and it could very well have to do with the inks and the colors. It, oh, it is yeah. because Bill Bill Reinhold, first of all, is a phenomenal illustrator. But Garney is Garney is 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 like John Byrne. He's he's great when he's reined in with an anchor. I don't I don't like Ron Garney by himself. There, that um, that JLA arc he did that Chuck Austin wrote that was not a, a good looking story and. That was, I, I, and that's probably because I don't think Dan Green was inking him at the time, and because, and Dan Green was inking him, I believe, on the on his initial Captain America run with Wade, and probably on his second follow up after Heroes Reborn when they came back with Heroes Return. But Reinhold is is doing a phenomenal job with Carney. You know, on our on the forum, um, I think it was uh, who posted the thread. Uh, character was it Braxton? The people who define the characters for you. You mean the uh, the artist? The, the yeah. artist with the, no, that was uh, that might have, was yes, it was Braxton. You're right. Well, in in my eyes, there's there's and this is saying a lot because naturally Kirby drew Captain America for years and years and created the the, the guy in the first place. But I, I think Ron Garney, his Captain America has yet to be beat. Oh, he it's, did a phenomenal job on Captain America. Yeah, uh, it, just an amazing job. And <laughs> his Green Arrow work for DC, those couple of issues yes. recently were really, really sharp. And I remember the guys at the, the comic shop, when they heard Garney was going to come on Amazing, they're like, oh, shit, not Garney. I said, what are you people insane? Hey, this is Braxton with another real quick impression of Frederick Dukes. 
otherwise known as the blob. <clears throat> Starting now. Hey, Angela! Angela! Can you bring me some ketchup? Can you bring me some ranch or something to go with this, um, this chicken? Some ranch dressing? Hey! Hey! Some ketchup or ranch dressing? That's what we're looking at. Ketchup or ranch dressing? Then, then you need to go and look at the JLA arc he did after 101. Because mm -hmm. that that was not Ron Garney at his best, and I, and if if that's what the people at the comic shop are going by as far as them saying Jesus, not Ron Garney, then I can understand that. But if they if they look at his career as a whole, then yeah, you'd want Ron Garney. I mean, this is this is and and Vince, I know you'll disagree as far as you know what should be the flagship title for Marvel. But I mean, if you're going to put somebody on on Amazing Spider-Man, Ron Garney is 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 up there as far as what he's been showing us the past few months. Fantastic Four. Right. And uh, <laughs> I, I just don't see how someone can forget Man Without a Country. It was just perfect. Right. But, you know, people are people, and uh, they're, they're crazy. Well, but, Vince, uh, Vince Chuck Austin thinks to do that to people. I know. <laughs> he brings out the worst in you. Well, if you really stop and think about it, though, if, if you have an, an artist or writer who's doing great work that everybody likes... If they get into a rut, like a six a, a six month rut, which is half a year, then there's nothing to say that they're really going to pull out of it. I mean, Howard Shaken used to be one of my favorite artists. The stuff that he's done lately has been horrible, and it all it it, it all started with like like just you know a little squiggly line here and a errant squiggly line there, and the next thing you know, the man just think somebody i once read a, a forum post where it said it looks like he has parkinson's when he draws now and yeah 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 that's what i said um so i can't really blame them if they didn't if they didn't dig that 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 justice league art that may be you know they may think okay this is his decline this is where he jumps the shark where he starts to go bad yeah, I couldn't. Could. the anchor though on that Justice League arc? I don't, but I don't think he had an anchor. I think that was strictly that, Garney, which is why I said that I think why, he, yeah. he suffers from burn. Where when when Burn did Wonder Woman, that was not Burn at his best. But yet, if Burn has Carl Kessel or Terry Austin or Dick Giordano, he 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 really shines. And right, because yeah, it so, so, like yeah, there was no, an anchor in that that book. I don't believe it was, which is why. I was saying that you know it's best when he's reined in, and if you're going to have somebody inking you, Bill Reinhold is is up there. Hell yeah! What about you, David? What did I think of the issue? Uh huh. I I thought it was great. It's I mean I was I'm reading it after reading Punisher War Journal number one, and after reading Civil War number five, and after reading I, I read it actually I read five thirty five and five thirty six back to back. So I read five forty. A month or so ago, Fantastic Four five forty a month or so ago, and then I just recently read Civil War number five, and then Punisher War Journal, and then the last two issues of Spider Man. So it, it, I think um, my my judgment might be a little clouded because everything meshed well together because I was reading 
all of the tie-ins and the storyline made a lot more sense. As an issue by itself standpoint, I thought the art was great. I, I first of all, and I mentioned this to Derek yet last night and, and when we were talking, and, and I, I'm glad to see footnotes. I miss footnotes. So the fact that there were footnotes made me so happy. And the fact that it says, hey, pick up Civil War number six, which isn't out yet, that did not phase me in the least. And I'm, I'm fine with that. He talked to Mary Jane. They had a great conversation, which, and since I didn't read the issues of Spider-Man prior to 535, so I did not read, I haven't read yet him talking to Mary Jane and Aunt May before he unmasked. So I'm not sure how the, how the talk he had with Mary Jane, how that reflects in his previous conversations with them. But as far as this particular issue, him talking to the, and Aunt May coming in and saying, you know, don't we have a vote in this and them all sticking together as a family. I mean, that, to me, that, that kind of reflects my family to a degree. So I kind of, you know, again, I'm, I mean, there's, there's some personal investment in this. I, I, I can see where Peter's coming from in this issue. I can see how Peter's family is, is, is accepting of, of his decision and, you know, they're moving forward. He, he realized he made a mistake, which we all knew was a mistake months ago when he when he unmasked and he signed down for the pro reg side we knew this was a mistake he finally realized it he's catching up to the rest of us the the flashback sequence i can understand how how like like mike said you know it it not, not so much out of place but just like you know why why did it take place and you know then we see them at the at the motel and seeing the old threads return was was absolutely great. That that full full page panel yeah. was fabulous. The uh, and then him him speaking into the camera, you know, it it doesn't get much more cut and dried. I think he 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 laid it out there. This is his this is his feelings behind it, and he knows he's breaking the law. Bring it on. He unmasked again to show that you know this isn't. You know, it wasn't a, a gimmick. It wasn't a publicity stunt when I unmasked the first time and I was on the right... I thought I was on the right side. Now I know I'm on the right side or what I think is the right side, me personally. And and this is me again. And, you know, maybe I did a 180, but now I know I'm on the right path and so be it. And then we see, naturally, Iron Man saying, okay, go ahead and bring him in. And, and I, I know the story's not done even with the... Even with the to be continued at at the end of the issue, you know it's the War at Home Part Five of Six. So if anybody that's been reading the first four issues of this story arc knows that this has been going on and it's taking a half a year to complete, so I'm not a big fan of these Part Five of Sixes or Part Four of Eight. You know things like that. I that that takes me out of the story a little bit. Overall, as an issue, I loved it. Art was great. I didn't have a problem with JMS's writing. It, it it made the point. I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, I feel the same way. I uh, in fact, I'd go as far as to say that this is JMS's best single issue in his entire run of amazing. No. Yeah. No. This, no. <laughs> no. 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 This, this makes and I didn't like it when it first came out, but the black issue, what was it, number thirty six, the World Trade Center issue. Right. This issue is far better written than that. And and that seems to be the one that everybody focuses on. Well, that's because on. there's actually writing in this issue. I don't I, I don't think Amazing Thirty Six 
volume three thirty six should have sh- should be in the running for this. That that was an anomaly. It was. It, I don't want to say it was a gimmick, but it was it, it, it was an issue that was topical at the time. I can understand Marvel wanting to do it. I don't I don't consider that you know I don't I, I if, if you're going to look at JMS's run on Amazing Spider-Man, I would not include 36 just because mm-hmm. it's it's like an enigma. I mean it it just it doesn't belong with the rest of the of the storyline. It it it, it could have been a hot shot. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean I I think JMS is. Best, better suited for Spider-Man than he is for Fantastic Four. I am not thrilled yeah. with his Fantastic Four run. Was this the best Amazing Spider-Man issue he's done? That I cannot say, but uh, I, I, yeah. I can see Vince where you're where where you're coming from if, if you think it is. Right. The reconciliation I mean, between Peter and Mary Jane when they were in the uh, airport. That was the best issue he ever wrote. I'd actually agree with you right there, Derek. I, that was there on the J.R. Jr. run, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. With Doctor Doom and uh, Captain America. Oh, well, and one comment I have to make about War at Home. It, this War at Home arc, a hell of a lot better than the crappy sitcom on Fox with the same name. <laughs> I don't know. I like Michael Rappaport. Eh. <laughs> okay, this issue for me, it's, I think it's a beautiful bookend to what's going on in Civil War and the early parts of this war at home. Because when he takes his mask off in this, I think he's saying, remember that guy who took his mask off on TV? He's not here anymore. This is a different person. That, that's, I think that's exactly why JMS did that. And as far as the speech goes, it's finally someone with a brain in the Marvel Universe comes out and fights for what he thinks is right. He's, he's the Benjamin Franklin of the Marvel Universe right now. Yeah. It, it, this, uh, and, and I've heard flag-waving bullshit. I've heard uh, sentimental, patriotic crap. This speech would not sound good coming out of Captain America's mouth, but for Peter, it makes perfect sense. He's he, the everyman. That's what I was just going to say, you bastard. You, know. you took yeah. it out of my mouth. <laughs> he, he's the everyman of the Marvel Universe. He's I don't want to say Mr. Blue Collar, but he, he speaks for you and I. Captain America speaks for someone of, I, I don't want to say other than the, the everyman, but he's more of a, a concept where Peter is, we can relate to him because he's us. Bow before me. Humble your pitiful selves before the might of Terrax. Oh, sure, pal. Right after I'm through cutting into Captain Kangaroo. As far as where Peter had to go to get here, if if you look at people, some people would say that man, it took him long enough. If you take into account Peter's background, he's a scientist. He has he's an empiricist. He 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 makes decisions based on testing, tally the results, test again, tally the results test again, then he forms his hypothesis based on what he's learned. That's why it took Peter so long to get to this point, because I don't want to say he gave Tony the benefit of the doubt, but he let Tony be Tony, and he let this law be what it is, and he wanted to see where it went from there, and now he finally makes the hypothesis, this is not right, and he acts on it. This is perfect Peter Parker. In one issue, this is everything that Peter Parker is and should be. And That's he used his brain early on because he first saw that because Iron Man tried to shut down his costume, his armor, and he already, you know, he had a override. Yep. So. And and I want to just say something about that in a second, but 
it takes Peter a long time to make a decision. We, 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 if you've read the title for a, a long time, you know he does everything the hard way because he, he gives everybody the benefit of the doubt. He's testing. That, that's what he's doing. He's studying, and then he makes his decision. Yeah, a lot of times it comes a little too late, and you know that's just the character. Uh, he, he's the nebbish. He, he's the, sor- he's the, the guy who always loses. He doesn't learn unless he, he loses or makes some... Well, I forgot what I was going to say because we just had a reboot uh, Skype three or four times because people keep dropping out of this conversation. So I'm just going to go somewhere else. Um, uh, the, the exchange during the Iron Man-Peter Parker battle was, I think, brilliant because it's, it says a lot about each character where Tony, who's supposed to be the futurist and the, the super intelligent gazillionaire, makes a fail-safe password of... Emergency. He has to say, in, in the heat of battle, he has to come out and say, emergency override, passcode Omega Omega Epsilon 9. Like, if, if Peter was a little bit faster, he'd be having his head in his hands. Yeah. You know, what kind of a man who's supposed to be, you know, so intelligent makes a passcode with how many syllables? And, 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 and Peter's passcode is, you know, passcode surprise. 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 It's, it, it's perfect. So yeah, we, not, not I, only... I, I have- not only did they make Iron Man look like a dipshit because Peter Peter won up them, he also won up them in the in the intelligence category because he was smart enough to make a a four syllable trigger where Tony's is like, yeah, wait a minute, I gotta go get a sandwich while you're saying the password, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. That also showed how how Spider Man actually should have been since the beginning of Civil War, whereas Tony Stark makes these plans. He's the big futurist. He he goes for every contingency. And then he just did not expect for Spider-Man to do the unexpected. Spider-Man should have always been the the wild card in Civil War. He I really think that they never should have had him take a side until he was actually forced to. But you know, too late. Yeah. See, I I disagree with you because I th- I think Peter is the perfect one for this to happen to because he's a trusting soul if somebody tells him something he's not going to uh, disagree with them until he has reason to and Tony's done a lot for him and and right and and he waited till Tony he gave Tony just enough rope to hang himself and that's what happened and that's how Peter is like i said he he he's testing everything he's continually using that scientific method in his life to plan out his little his little uh, his life basically. So I don't know. I think it's it's perfect, Peter Parker. And he saved him from the tabloids early on when uh, they were trying to f- frame Stark for having an affair with Mary Jane. He uh, threatened the uh, tabloid reporter. Well, that's probably just to uh, stack the deck in his favor, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, he, he Peter's always looking for a father figure, and Tony played that part for a while there. And obviously, he didn't think he was going to have to turn against him, you know, like this. And I'm sure Tony didn't think that. That could be why he put in, you know, such a stupid password. But then again, he's Tony, so he probably thinks, you know, wow, I should make it really hard to guess. Well, obviously, Peter guessed it anyway, so what the hell's the point? But you you don't give a scientist a big toy like this and expect him not to dissect it. Personally, I think they write Iron Man better in this than his own book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because JMS has written a few more comic books than the creators of Carnival. (laughs) 
the, as far the, as at least it's coming out though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so okay, so we and and as far as the father figures go, he was burned by Norman Osborn. He's now been burned by Tony Stark. I think it's time for for Peter to not you know look for father figures so much. Well, don't forget he was also burned by Ezekiel. Yep. Oh, for Christ's sake! Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, if we did, you reminded us, Derek. See, <laughs> see what I, see what I mean? There's the pattern. He's he's yeah. a very trusting soul. Yeah. His his next father his next father figure is going to be George W. Bush, so he'll be safe. Oh Christ, oh, Christ. kill me! Yeah. No, is George W. Bush the president in the Marvel universe? I think, I think so. so. Yeah. Okay. And you actually, know, it depends. There's something that. Why? What do you mean? Um, everybody seems to change their mind on that. Almost yeah. every single time I see a president, half the time it's Bush, half the time it's some random guy. Like in the Wolverine arc, wasn't that the president that Wolverine was talking to? And it didn't look like Bush to me. I don't think he was talking to the to the actual president. Oh, he wasn't. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's deliberate though. That you know you have this ambiguous. Yeah, because in a couple because... of years when people go back to reread it, he's not going to be in all. It, it, it's like the president when you know. In, in the DC book, that that's other than Lex Luthor, you know, yeah. then it, they'll be able to go back and read it, and it's just some random person. It was Cable, actually. It was, it was it was Cable Deadpool, where he talked to the president, and it wasn't Bush. My mistake, it wasn't Bush. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. But if you go. if you notice, they went out of their way to put Clinton in the comics back in the day. Mm. Yes. I mean, there well, was when you have a good president. Yeah, that could be it. But there, <laughs> there's something that's bothering me about Tony, and I can't get the one scene. I don't know what issue it was but it was during Avengers Disassembled where Tony was speaking in front of I think it was the United Nations and he started calling people names and sweating and pointing fingers yeah. and, and saying was, we should wait, we should nuke what, your entire country. What was that in? Wasn't that Avengers Disassembled? Yeah, That's, that yeah. was Avengers Disassembled. He right. was uh, yeah. speaking in front of the UN and but, um, but didn't have something didn't that have something to do with Scarlet Witch? Was he in his right mind when he did that? Right, she made him drunk. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. She, well, that explains it. See, I didn't... Yeah, yeah she made him drunk. <laughs> like, like, like he needs an excuse. Yeah. But the, uh, <laughs> the... No, 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 because he, he went out of his way to say that he's been sober. He's been so, right, you're right, you're right. right, right. Um, every lot of time that he has not had a drink, he does not know what happened. Yeah. And that was a Bendis book? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just, just, just checking. Uh, who is, um, who, who is, who is Tony telling to bring Peter in? I, I know on that one panel it looks like a bunch of Iron Man esque clones, but I, I mean it would make sense if he's maybe talking to the Thunderbolts. I don't know who he's saying to bring Peter in. Yeah, this this may have something to do with um, Civil War number six. It isn't out yet because you have to remember all this happens after that. So who knows? Okay. Okay. That's that's probably exactly where it goes. And I'll, I'll probably go back and reread this after Civil War number six. So again, I mean, I know, I, and again, I know that there are people that that do have problems with the fact that you know there are footnotes that say read Civil War number six to get a better idea, even though this issue came out before Civil War number six. Yeah. Anybody here want to say anything about that? Well, I think they should have waited, quite frankly. And I know that people hate delays. I know that people hate, you know, having to wait to read a comic book. But when you have a footnote that says specifically, read this particular issue, what are you supposed to do? Sit on the comic for the month waiting for the issue to come out? No, you delay the comic book until it's relevant. We used to go through that all the time. <laughs> there, there, was, there were plenty of times where the footnote would say, 
you know, read the um, you know, read the Legion of Superheroes annual mm-hmm. yep. time this summer. It's like it's <laughs> it's January. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't. You you know where Peter ends up at the end of Amazing Five Thirty Six. So all you need to know is what happened to get him there. But you know, you you have part of the the f- conclusion already. So it, I, I see that didn't bother me because you know if if Peter had like one less arm or leg at the end of this, I would say, wow, yeah, I really or, need to know how that happened. But or if he had an extra four. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Michelle. I went into a local comic shop today that I had never been in and scared all the locals, so I figured I'd take a break from playing video ga- games and actually call the buzz line and scare all of you guys, too. So here it is. The, 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 one, the one thing, though, they're not being consistent, Marvel. You know, they delayed all those books when, when Civil War got delayed the first time around, but this time around, when they're specifically saying, read Civil War number six, they release it before it even comes out. That's, the one, that's my one problem. And you know the reason why I think they're waiting to delay books instead of just throwing a fill-in artist or a bunch of people? Like, uh, what did they call the inking team when they used to gather everybody up into the bullpen? The Merry Pranksters? Mm. Or something like that, where they would Somebody, just right. they would just get everybody to work on the book just to get it out because of the 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 blowback that DC received on Infinite Crisis, when when people were complaining about the 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 just hodgepodge looking book. I mean, let's. I'm not not, I did, did a lot of people complain about that, or was that just me? No, there was, a, was Infinite like Crisis it. Infinite Crisis Seven online got a lot of bad press because it looked yeah. like a dog's breakfast. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, though, some of us actually like that hodgepodge look to the to the book. It made sense. I, I liked it. I you, liked. I thought they broke it up in good segments between the artists, and I, I, I didn't bother me. The last issue bothered me a lot mm-hmm. of Infinite Crisis, but now that I'm looking at the hardcover, where they where actually filled in the art. It looks really good. You bought you bought the hardcover. Yes, a lot of people did, and I probably I probably would have had I known. And 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 Mike, that that is something that we actually talked about last night with the fact that yeah, okay, here's here's DC, and okay, we're gonna make we're gonna make the story you read late last year, early this year make sense if you buy the you know at least with DVDs. If I buy if I buy the Punisher when it came out, and now they come out with a special edition. Or, or the Lord of the Rings, for example. If I buy any of the Lord of the Rings movies and I want to get the special edition with the super deluxe features, they'll give me a rebate. All I have to do is snip out the UPC, mail them something. I get I, I get a couple of bucks back, so it was sort of worth my while. Here really? I spent, uh, yes. I did, I did not know that. Neither did I. I, I have, have like, like five versions of a lot of yeah. Oh, <laughs> same here. <laughs> I, there, are, there are a lot of DVD. I don't know if Lucas does it because, you know, he, he, he needs money to live. But I if, feel if, so are, used. You should. There are, there are some, some DVD feet manufacturers or, or, or studios that will, if you, buy a, if you buy a DVD, and it's, it's a no-frills version, no extras, the only features it has is that it also comes in, in French subtitles. If they come out with a special edition, generally, because if you open up your DVDs, you look, there's like three, three little 
perforated tabs that, that say UPC mm-hmm. or proof of purchase. You rip out one of those, you can mail them in. I mean, provided there's a coupon inside, you can mail that in and you'll get five or seven or ten bucks back. So that this way you didn't just buy it twice and you have a special edition and then there are no frills. You actually, you know, they, they realize that you bought it already. So they're not really trying to gouge you for all your money. If DC said, hey, if you mail us or if you show us proof that you bought the first seven issues, we'll make this hardcover a little bit easier for you to bear. They did not even try. So I am not going to give them the benefit of the doubt and buy a hardcover edition of a series that I should have had whole the first time around. To hell with you and your, well, now we're giving it to you for real. See what happens when you drink before a podcast? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Thank God I have for missed your sours. ranting. I, I have <laughs> missed your ranting so much, man. Seriously. Oh, I just, I'm, I'm, and if Marvel tried this with Civil War, if they come out in, in, in October of next year and say, here's Civil War 1 through 7, the way it should have been if it came out on time and all the pages were in and everything was, was, was fit as a fiddle, I'd be pissed as well. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, rain down on DC. I'm just not pleased with how they presented Infinite Crisis. Well, hey, maybe they'll give Iron Man's side of the story in the Thank you. If, if, they, if, if they decide to do that, then you know, I'm not saying my, 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 uh, my side will be changed and I'll be pro-reg, because I, I said last night that no matter who the hell was in charge, I still think this is a... And even Derek said it's a bad law, but he understands that it's a law. Yeah. I, if, if they gave me all of Iron Man's side, I'd probably be able to understand the pro-reg side better but I still wouldn't have my mind changed. Well, once those Iron Man issues are out by 2009, we'll know for certain what his stance was. Oh, you mean you will actually have a comic book writer writing those issues? Sure, exactly. Yeah, okay. right. Yeah. Some okay, of the early Spider-Man issues had, had his side in it, you know, before they actually signed the law. It had a lot of Iron Man in there, and it kind of had that. That was the best that I've seen that Iron Man's been portrayed. Derek had a question. Yeah, I have a question. Um, what if the the two people who who are representing both sides? What if they were reversed? What if Tony Stark decided, "Hey, I'm sick of government intervention. I'm anti-reg," and Captain America says, "I'm going to be a good soldier and do my duty, and I will be pro-reg." How do you think that would have changed the whole dynamic of how Civil War has been accepted? I have my hand raised. Okay. Oh, I. <laughs> the hell my, is that? My, my feeling of it is that it's for me. I, I don't care who's and, and I mentioned this with Tony last week. I don't. To me, it doesn't matter who who the person in who, who's leading the rally is. My feeling is still. I would still hope. And granted, Reed Richards may not have been written to the best of his ability in during this event. Might, for, my, um, I, yeah, might, might, with quotes, with air quotes. I, I still think that for the majority of the characters in this storyline, if 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 they followed the way they they've been in the Marvel universe for the past forty some odd years, it, it wouldn't matter who's leading. The, I would never, I could never see Tony leading the anti-reg side. But I see what you're saying. I, I it wouldn't matter who's leading it for me. I'd still feel the same way I do now. I, I, I strongly believe that. Well, the characters have taken the, taken sides, the sides that they have because that's their personalities. That, you know, 
That's I mean that, that that's true. If you see Captain America and he say, you know, onward ho, you know, yeah, would a bunch of people follow Captain America regardless of how they felt about the law? That that is I, I can already see the what ifs coming that next year. Yeah. And yeah. I'm I'll pick one of those up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like the one uh what if Tony Stark didn't back an unconstitutional law? That should be really good. <laughs> Well, well, you, well, you see, the uh, the Constitution was written by the Rawhide Kid in yeah. the Marvel Universe. So <laughs> it, it, it turned out a little differently. I just yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the page where Peter gives Tony the old two-handed smackdown. Yeah, that's the page I'm on. I love the coloring on that page. I really do. Matt Miller, yeah. good God, man. The <laughs> the oranges and the yellows and the purples and the greens in that background. That is just a gorgeous freaking page. Yeah. Did did did, did Maury's check bounce to you or something, man? You're talking. No. You know, one, well, one minute you're talking about Maury Hollowell, and now we're talking about Matt Miller like he's the bee's knees. Hey, I give credit where it's due, buddy. I understand. Uh, look in well, the in the armor. The the uh, the purples in the armor reflected from the background. That's just great coloring. Oh, you're, you're just yeah. setting yourself up for Chris to mock you. That's all right. <laughs> Well, look, on that one giant page, that one Spider-Man shot that we were talking about earlier... The J.R. shot? Uh, well, yeah, that is, the, that is the best Spider-Man has looked since J.R. Jr. on that one page that Rainey drew. And it is because of the colors, because this is almost identical to J.R. Jr.'s double-page spread early on in his run with, uh, with JMS. Right. So we're getting that exact same style back. This is the style that I love, because as a colorist, I love seeing the shine on Spider-Man's outfit. So many people don't get that shine. He's going through a lit-up New York City. There has to be a little bit of shine on his outfit, and you barely ever see that shine. And yet, Millet brought it in. That's why I love him so much. Yeah, it must be polyester. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Is it really bright in uh, New York City? Oh. Uh, at night, uh, around where he's swinging? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Face front, true believers. This is Norman, Oklahoma from the Just Another Fanboy Podcast. And when I'm not out shooting buffalo, reading comics, or picking interesting things out from betwixt my toes, I'm listening to Bullpoint Bulletins, my one stop for all things Marvel. And I, I, I had a question. I didn't know if this was going to be a stupid question or not, but do they really have guys out there with those hot dog things? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the, the, no. This is I mean no. It it, it this intro this intro page made perfect. I was actually really pleased to see that it actually said Sabret and not some fake no name hot dog brand. I was really pleased to see that. No, they 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 really do have the hot dog guys out. Depending on what time of night it is, maybe not so much hot dogs, but maybe well, actually the peanut guys go in rather early. But I, I love those yeah. peanuts. Oh, I yeah. hate them. <laughs> I hate the smell. I hate the smell. That's the problem. <clears throat> I, I might, I might like the taste, but I hate walking down a street and smelling those things because I'm just like, damn it, I want peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> but the the uh, no, so I mean, it it as far as the the battle at the beginning, yeah, I can I can see this happening in New York, then and, and and it makes sense. So that that I didn't have a problem with. I I didn't have a problem. I. I and like you said earlier, Vince, you know, maybe they need to release a Cliff Notes version. I, if, if someone, you know, as far as Aunt May still being in the room with Mary Jane unbuttoning her blouse, obviously she left. 
and I know I, I know Matt Kramer is 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 you know still asking does she have a habit of stripping in front of her her aunt in law and Aunt May turned around she's leaving she's going back to bed she's had enough of the youngins and she's done for the night so she left now it's Mary Jane and Peter and again I maybe the kiss should fill me in but I'm I'm not a hundred percent certain if she's just trying to prove a point to Peter or if you know if 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 you look at the page, one panel before she unbuttons her shirt, May's walking in the opposite direction, away yes. away from Peter. Yep. I I don't see, and she's not in the panel with her unbuttoning her shirt. I right. don't see how you can construe it that May is still in the room. I don't either. I don't know. But, she's no, she's not in the room. She's not in the room. Yeah, but you know, Matt has found little things in books that I missed. So maybe it's just maybe <coughs> he just didn't didn't catch Did, it. You know. And that's a small that, that's a small pick to knit, so I'm not even I'm not yeah. even worried about that. I mean, as, as long as Matt enjoyed the issue, I'm happy. Yeah, well, and, and and just just to feed your uh, your Diodata Junior love, uh, it's nice seeing a Mary Jane that actually looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah none of that Todd McFarlane big hair stuff. I, I, I did have to get used to Garney's uh, representation of Peter, though. But it looks good. Yeah, it, it does look very good. But I'm used to the Ramita Jr., Ross, Andrew, Peter. Yeah, you yep, know, yep, yep. and yeah. and I mean, this is a little bit too young for Peter Parker, I think. Uh, uh, just a hair, but uh, yeah, I I, I think. Uh, see, it, it I, looks I did great. not read chapter one, so I didn't. I didn't read any of the Burn Mackey issues. I haven't. I haven't read consecutive issues of Peter Parker since since probably. Oh hell! Since probably before McFarlane, so I mean, at least ten years has gone by since I've I've read many many issues one after another with Peter Parker in it. So if it maybe Byrne made some slight tweakings, and we know that when Byrne and Mackie took over the Amazing Spider-Man, what was it, Volume Two, that JMS's run started right after Mackie and Byrne left, and Larson was the artist. Yeah. JMS came on, Larson was the artist, and then J.R. Jr. took over, and then that's that leads us into us renumbering it back to volume one to today. So whatever happened after issue four hundred with May dying with that great gimmicky tombstone cover, I don't know how <laughs> Peter's been presented since then. I, I remember I, I I remember Peter like you said, events with the Ross Andrew, with the Gil Kane, with the John Romita Jr. I mean, I, I remember Peter with Amazing Spider-Man when he was taking on Hy- when Hydro-Man's first appearance, things like that, and, and fighting the Juggernaut in 229 and 230. So I, I know what Peter looks like to me. To see him look like this, it, 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 it still strikes me as Peter. I mean, I, I'd rather see this than the, the, the Jason Priestley look that Diodato did in the, uh, in yeah. the other storyline. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's yeah. he just like he's too a little too pretty. Okay. Just a little. But I mean Peter's always been a good looking guy, but it's just I mean the hair looks a little too quaffed. Yeah, a little bit. But I mean that's that's another little tiny nit. I, I think he he draws a great Parker and then you know it's just that what did you grow up with? I grew up with um Ramita and Ross Andrew, so Yep. Well, one thing I want to uh, one little detail that I don't think that we we've, we've touched on is um, in the newsroom when the two anchors are talking to each other and they're talking about a dancing cat. 
that is so realistic because that is the kind of crap that I would I can easily picture that on my local news. Yep. Yeah. You know, when I was reading that, it was like uh, I can even I can even picture the fake <laughs> laugh. You know. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I just want to throw that in there. It's not even news anymore. Yes. <laughs> it, it's whatever stories make it through the filter. I make when Spider up. He's like he's like. You're gonna have to wait, wait, wait. You're gonna have to say that again because you broke up real bad. I was going to say, I, I look up fake face when Spider-Man first, uh, you know, starts talking to the camera. He's got to look at his face. I don't get to be on camera tonight. <laughs> the, the weatherman in the back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fake Al Rope. Obviously, yeah. this, you know, New York news, that that's probably, could possibly be. It's every, and he does even BC News every and so yeah. that, that could definitely I, I saw him on. It's either Today Show or, or you know, NBC uh, Four here in New York. Cause they show him on the Tron. We're not getting you at all, man. No, <laughs> like you're, you're purposely doing that. <laughs> That's great. Sounds like you're underneath a helicopter. Well, <laughs> now now I know how I'm going to end the episode. <laughs> It's one of those things where if you put a driving beat behind it, Ian, thank you for giving me the end of the episode, buddy. Well, that was awesome. I've never heard anyone speak in Morse code before. It's one of those things like, should we interrupt him? But no. Oh, I think. Keep going. And you well, if, if anything was ever to prove Iron Man's side, then that was it. Whether or not you guys can actually hear me at this point. <laughs> we, we, we hear you when you finish a sentence, but anything leading up to that is just... So I, here, now, I... Fine. Terrific. <laughs> Do you remember if the it, If it's more than three syllables, we don't hear you. See, yeah, Dave, you remember the song Eep Op Orc Ah uh, Ah? Uh? Yep. <laughs> yes! Yeah, that, that was you. That was you, man. <laughs> means I love you. Eep. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> see, Talk see, like- what you don't know is the same thing is happening to David's mic, too, but it's just making him sound normal now. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to drink more often, I'll sound better. Yeah, you sound great. Damn Skype! Oh, there you go. Now you're you're speaking. You want to try that one there more time? There were one syllables. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. let let's try that let's one try. more time. What was the last thing you heard me say? It's when you said I said it. It's the stuff that's gotten through the filter filter, and you said exactly, and then whew, you're going from there. So everything you were talking about, as far as the fake weatherman and everything like that, we don't have. Yeah, we don't okay. have it. All right. Well, the, I, I was just going to say how I love the uh, the look on uh, on Roker's face uh, when Spider Man gets there. He's got this look on his face like I don't get camera time tonight. <laughs> exactly. Look at him. Yeah, but uh, it, it, it felt it felt very true to form with uh, him up on the you know the Panasonic Tron and you know walking through Times Square as much as I do. I you know I've I've been one of the you know captivated by something on that screen a, a couple times. So I can imagine what everybody was thinking while that's going on. You know they're on their way to you know the sharper image or something like that, and they get the, they get a, a Spider Man appear screen to stop them in their tracks. Yep. And look at the channel number too. Mm-hmm. Channel nine. And- Yep. Let's see. The problem with that though is Channel Nine is in New Jersey. Yeah, but you get it in New York. 
Well, it's, it, it, they, basically they just channel four to channel nine. That's all, because because uh, they got the NBC logo on top of the on, on top of the Panasonic screen, and then even underneath you see a little um, like a little ticker tape at the bottom. I mean, it, it it's presented really well. It's just that yeah, it's not Channel Nine in New York City. You have to go to Secaucus if you want to be on Channel Nine News. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know that, but like you know, Derek wouldn't, which is fine. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, for the story, it still makes sense. I see. I, I associate Channel Nine with New York. I don't know why. For, for, for a while, it, it used to be. Then they moved to New Jersey. WWOR oh. used to... Then then they moved to New Jersey. Then you had... You, when UPN and the WB appeared, Channel 9 was still in New Jersey. And now CW is Channel 11, which was WPIX, which was WB, which is boring everybody now. <laughs> and, 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 and Channel 9 is now my network TV, that, that shit wannabe network. Do you remember yeah. on WPIX when they used to have, this is going back a long time, they had, during the children's programming after school, they had this game where kids would call in and they would be, they would be video games. And whenever the kid would say picks, the person on the other end would press the fire button if it was like a spaceship game or something. So you'd be watching a cartoon and then this thing would come on with kids just going, picks, 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 picks. And, and the person would try and fire the, the controller whenever they said picks. Do you guys remember that? No, but that's because we're not old. Oh. Oh, okay. Was this in color or black and white, Vince? Shut the hell up. It was in color. Those, those damn talkies. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was it was in color. It was like right after they used to run, like say the Adams Family or the Munsters. They'd have this picks W P I X thing. My and, <laughs> and and you would have to call in, and then they would just play the game, and the kids would be actually controlling the the person with the the actual game in their hand, and they'd press the button whenever the kid would say picks. It was pretty cool, but I mean, it was really annoying after a while because then kids would just say picks like a million times in a row. Yeah, yeah. yeah. After school, when I got home, I would usually watch Channel Five, which was um, WNYW, and I had He Man, and or even actually Channel Eleven in the morning was great because I had the Magic Garden. Channel Nine gave me romper room, and then Channel Five in the afternoons for everything else. How about that Magic Garden shit? What was going on there? Oh, I love those two chicks. Yeah, but the squirrel. <laughs> the squirrel. Hey, what does this have to do with Amazing Spider-Man Five Thirty Six? Right, you're right. Let's get back. <laughs> No, 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 no. We could, we could totally work it in there. Uh, <laughs> on Channel 5 here in, for a long time, and it was actually on Channel 9 for a while, so go figure. There you go. Susan! Correction. Malice. Susan Richards was a pathetic creature. Someone to be ignored at worst, patronized at best, someone you stifled and frustrated at every turn. I, I like the scene in the in the park on the park bench with when Peter's looking at himself and talking to himself. I think that's perfect because uh, you know, like I said before, he's testing himself in that scene. Really, JMS has done this before, where Peter is talking to something that's not there. So that's why it really didn't um, surprise me. But, you know, seeing a grown man sitting in a park talking to his little Peter, that's kind of weird. <laughs> hey. <laughs> when you put it like that. Did you write Did you write that one beforehand, or does that... <laughs> but I've been waiting all show to say it. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> <All> show. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Uh, but no, Jan, got to find some sort of uh, plot of a black wig. Anybody who's... Asked- 
fork. Uh-uh. All right. <laughs> Ian, Ian, do me a favor. Yeah. Get, knock off, and I'll call you back again. Uh, Land the helicopter. So right, now, yeah. now, now you can pick up where <laughs> where you were going. Okay. Oh, tree saying words? No, no. Why would I do that? Um, no. I, what, what I was saying is that James needs to find some sort of new plot device because he uses this way too often. And I mean, sure, it works for getting inside of Peter's head, but. Um, anybody who's been following his run uh, for pretty much the entire time has seen this at least six or seven times now, and yeah. doesn't have that power anymore that it had it in the first place. How else would you do it? Um, honestly, I'd just rather see some sort of monologue or dialogue or narrative going on in boxes while he's flying through the city. That would work no. perfectly. Sorry, but back in the day, we used to have these things called thought balloons. <laughs> <laughs> right, but no, but 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 there. What I think, what Ian's saying, though, how would you present that? I mean, if 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 Spidey was still swinging through the city, we could still have the thought balloons. I mean, I, I could see the best of of both worlds happening there. Then, I mean, I mean, the fact that we have footnotes in this issue of Amazing Spider-Man thrills me to no end. Mm-hmm. If we had thought balloons, I'd be in heaven. This would be my issue of the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's a lot to please you, David. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 send the industry back. Let's send the medium back. You know, twenty years, and I'll be happier than the big and shit. <laughs> well, how how else would you show a man regretting parts of his life and how he got to this point and and coming to terms with? Yeah, maybe things don't always turn out well, and it's very difficult to do with just with- one character. You know, but do we need to see a young Peter in junior high school? Why not? There hasn't been any other times in Peter's life that he may have felt that he he, he did wrong, or or you know he's he's he, he's trying to get to the trying to justify what he's doing. Personally, I would have if he's going to have a hallucination like that. Why doesn't he hallucinate Uncle Ben more? Because doesn't Peter still remember what happened in House of M when he had Uncle Ben in his life still? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so I mean, why not? play upon that. Well, then again, that would actually take Marvel bringing up House of M, and God only knows that they try to pretend that that already hasn't happened. Thank that God. That was the last event. <laughs> that that should have yeah. never happened, but that's another story. Yeah, I think the Hulk was like the worst one, actually. Was it? Yeah. Hey, Pyro was in it, so that's what, that's what made it cool for me. So. Well, when Peter David doesn't care to do a crossover... You can really tell about it. I mean, take a look at uh, <laughs> Supergirl 1 million. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when he doesn't care, when, when Peter David doesn't want to play nicely with others, he doesn't. Oh, yeah. Well, his other issues are a perfect example of that for me. I think that those have been his weakest issues so far on, on Spider-Man. Then again, the other could certainly do that for Spider-Man. But uh, no, ever since then, His Friendly Neighborhood has been one of my favorite books. Do you like it more than Amazing? Yeah, I do. I'll say that. I'll say that straight out. I, by far, like it better than Amazing. Wow. Well, that's because I think I, I think I think Peter David gets the character. I, I love a Peter David written book, and a Peter Peter David written Hulk is is great. But a Peter David written Spider Man, I mean, the, the death of Gene the Wolf, the Sin Eater, and and everything since. Mm-hmm. I think Peter David writes a great Spider Man because. Peter Parker 
is sarcastic. He has the humor that doesn't always hit, which is, which I mean, we we see that again in this issue in five thirty six where he's talking to the camera and he's talking about the negative zone and how it's a lot like New Jersey. And obviously, you know, no <laughs> one's getting this joke and it's kind of falling flat. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I made all that up except that last part, and or I made the last part up. Everything else is true. And it's like. You know that that's almost like a Peter David line. It's like it's like JMS called Peter David and said, "Listen, I'm trying to write a good Spider-Man. What do I do?" And yeah, he, so so Peter David. First of all, the other the Peter David issues of the other that just showed me that only one third of this event of that storyline was decent because JMS and the Hudlin issues. Well, the the Hudlin issues not so bad. It was just that the Patley art killed it for that. But yeah. If you know JMS writing Spider-Man is great. If he was writing Amazing, I'd be so elated. I, I'm mm-hmm. if if I had the, the, the choice of if Peter David could write Amazing, no doubt about it. But I mean, as far as Amazing over Friendly Neighborhood, I haven't read Friendly Neighborhood. I'm, I'm getting the back issues after the other. I've only read the first couple issues of Friendly Neighborhood, so I haven't read much Peter David Spider-Man lately. I, I don't. Um, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from, though. If you if, if you're liking friendly over, over amazing. Well, David, uh, also get ready for this. Uh, you got uh, Todd Nock and Peter David back together for an arc uh, a couple issues back for a Mysterio story. So That's right. You're gonna That's love right. that. And I know Vince is loving it because you have uh, what, Uncle Ben showed up. Yep. Well, yes and no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But yeah, Peter David's yeah. doing really, really good things. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can use Mysterio well, you're yeah. you're a pretty damn good writer. Because sure, and I haven't seen Mysterio since Guardian Devil, so I mean, I'm waiting for a good Mysterio story. Well, you have three times the fun in this one, so it's Excellent. really cool. Well, just think, uh, I actually have a question for the crowd here. How much better would you have liked this issue had Peter David written it? Exact same plot, exact same you know storyline going on, but Peter David's dialogue and you know narrative instead of JMS's. Would that have improved it for you, or would it have been basically the same thing? I don't think there's anything wrong with JMS's version. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And like I said, I think it was the best issue he's done to date. So I guess I can't participate in this one. So go ahead. Derek? I can't either, because I haven't read Friendly Neighborhood yet. I mean, I oh, have okay. the issues, but I'm very behind. I get too many comics. Okay. Can't keep caught up. If Peter David was writing this issue, because um, there's a lot of stuff that actually happened in this issue. There was the the battle with Iron Man. There was the return to the uh, blue and red, and there was him uh, throwing down the gauntlet at the end. With the exception of the choppy front of this book, which is by necessity that I understand. I, I don't know. I think that, that, like I said, JMS made chicken salad when, <laughs> by all rights, he shouldn't have been able to make that much. So I don't know. I mean, if Peter David did it, I, I really don't see what kind of differences he would have made. He, made, he would have made rotisserie instead of chicken salad. <laughs> it's uh, in the chicken somewhere. I, I think it felt like an old-time issue. It really did. You, there was a lot of story in, in 22 pages. Yeah. yeah. Except for that last panel, which I thought was awful. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah I thought it was... Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, um, I have been avoiding most of the Civil War crossovers 
and this one really didn't make me want to rush out and get any of the others, any of the other crossovers. But I'm not too too sorry that I um, I read it, except for that last page. You need to get Wolverine. Agreed. Because because Wolverine Wolverine is not a Wolverine would have made a great if if they did Wolverine even a year from now and and he went after Nitro and it was still titled Vendetta and we found things out in Wolverine six eight twelve months from now it'd still be a great storyline it's not a even though it says it on the cover that it's a Civil War crossover it really isn't I, I didn't read it as as something that was so. It, it was relevant to what's going on right now, but it it's a story that, that could have been told any time after Civil War, I think. Yep. And and Civil War is even a footnote in it. It's only the reason why he goes after Nitro, but so many other things happen that it, it just it's a pretty timeless story. I like it a lot. Yeah. And that's that's the best Humbert Ramos has looked in my opinion ever. Well, I don't well, know about I, ever. No, no, you, that can't be too You should pick up Revelations by Dark Horse. Okay. Yeah. You should bring up Crimson. I thought Crimson looked great. Yeah, Crimson Revelations. That yeah, I, but I I think we're talking, I think, we're talking about the same Ramos that did Spectacular Spider-Man. A couple yeah, years back. Yeah, with the creepy looking hands and the big feet. Okay, the big enough with the big, the big feet. Mickey Mouse feet. <laughs> the feet I understand that that are a little a little you know I can understand people being put off by the big clown feet. It's, it was still a creepy-looking Spider-Man in the fact that it should have looked like a creepy... Look. I mean, this is a character who's based on a spider. He's supposed to look creepy. I don't know where the hell the big feet came in. But His head I, I, looked like it was a crescent moon, though. <laughs> it looked like somebody punched him, and it never snapped back. Like a Tex Avery cartoon. It just never came back. I... Uh, no, no. Ramos, he's, he's on my list of people who... I would not read unless you paid me. Oh, David, where'd, no. we, where'd we put that do not call back list? I may not have been a fan of Carlos Cuevos on the inks for this run. but I, And I, I've seen some people complain about the, the lack or the exaggeration of Nex in, in Wolverine. It's it's a very stylistic look for Wolverine. I mean, if you read Wolverine from the beginning of issue of, of the new run of issue one, where you had Eric Roberts in the start, and you yeah. had a couple of fill-ins, and then you went to John Romita and Klaus Janssen with when Miller wrote Enemy of the State, and then you had Tex and Salteres on the House of M event, and now you have. First of all, I was not looking forward to some guy who who had anything to do with CSI writing Wolverine. But at everybody who's come from TV that's written a, a Marvel comic, he knocked it out of the park. This is a great, great story. When it gets traded, please read it. I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. It's, it's, it's a six-issue story, and because it started with was it 42, but it 48, which just which came out a week or two ago, it was 42 through 47. 48 is the epilogue, which kind of fills in the gaps as to how the hell he can come back from being burnt to a crisp by Nitro and landing landing in a cornfield in a, in a plane that, that's going down and basically falling from a shield helicarrier and on in, into the street and, you know, how, how he can bounce back from these things. The epilogue is kind of neat, 
but it's not necessary to the entire Vendetta storyline. So it's it's forty two through forty seven. Those are the issues you want. I just I want to just respond to Derek right. just a, a second, but I'm not picking on you. The, the, this this is this is how I see it. When you read a comic book that's drawn by, say, Umberto Ramos, and you say, man, that does not look like a human neck. Uh, A person's artistic style is filtered through who they are. So you can't look at it like saying, man, those are big feet. To Umberto Ramos, that's the way feet look. In, in his version of reality. So it's like Bill Sienkiewicz on Electra Assassin. I don't think there was anything in that book that pretty much looked like the way it should have looked. You had giant sewing machines and, and, and just paint all over the place. And Electra looked like, in one panel, she looked like a ghost. And the other, another panel, she looked like, you know, it was just a couple of lines. That's Bill Sienkiewicz's version of reality as applied to the story that... Frank Miller wrote. You know what I mean? So when you say it doesn't look like a head, it does to Umberto Ramos. Mm. You know what I mean? So you you really can't impose your version of reality on top of somebody else's. You just have to sit back and and say, well, you know, I really don't like this person's way of seeing the world. You know what I mean? Once you you start picking things apart, it's never going to hold up. Never. Because your version of a neck is not the same as his. Well, well, yeah, yeah, and I, it's to me, it's not just his. Let's just say his anatomy. I just don't like the way the man draws flat out. There you go. Now, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was using that as examples because I just want to make sure that we were just talking about the same guy. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> No, with, with Sinchevitz's artwork on Electro Assassin, I I totally understand what you're saying. I just happen to have really dug it because you know I I was buying the uh, the single issues mm-hmm. way back in the day, so I've always had a, a particular fondness for it. And it's kind of like Kelly Jones's artwork. A lot of people absolutely hate it because he draws you know exactly. everybody as as contortionists and. I can see why people wouldn't like it, but it's a great Batman. Well, this well, I, I really love his Dead Man, but you know that's sure. that's just me. I mean, that's just something that I I like. But this guy's artwork, I just right. You just don't like his style because Ramos and Kelly Jones are they're from the same school of thought. Yeah. Really. Oh yeah. I can definitely tell that they they were cut from the same cloth. Yeah. And just just to bring back to uh, to Spider-Man for a second, it's definitely a good thing that they had uh, that they had Ramos on Wolverine. And if uh, if the roles had been reversed, uh, we would not have had nearly as good Wolverine and Spider-Man if, as we had you know, as it turned out to be. You know, because Garney did a damn good job here. He wouldn't have done nearly as good a job if he was on Spider-Man. I mean, I mean Wolverine. What the hell am I talking about anymore? I don't know where I am. Who the hell's been drinking? I don't know. I, I think he would have surprised you. All right, at least when I call up the buzz line, I don't have to worry about Skype cutting me off randomly. But anyway, yeah, this is what I really wanted to get through on that damn podcast. So yeah, like I was saying before, but it, but
that's why Mike Diodato Jr. is like one of the best artists I've ever seen. I don't know why you people can, just can't understand that. Anyway, I hope I've made my point clearer now, all right? Bastards. Ramos on Spider-Man. It wouldn't have had that personal touch that um, Garney gave it, but I think Ramos would have surprised you. Yeah. Well, I just would... I'm just going to go on record saying that if Ramos had written, had, excuse me, had drawn this particular issue, I would not have read it. Okay. I mean, okay. I'm serious. He's there's. I have Ramos. a very short list, and he's on it. And this is from the man who who read, who, who who actually. Oh, why did he mention Greg Land? And and Derek read the Howard Porter drawn issues of the Ray. So for him to be able to, you know, say that I have to draw the line somewhere. I'm not an art snob. Um, and, and Derek mentioned martial law, so he's not unafraid to pick up a book with exaggeration in it. You know, exaggerated art styles, because Kevin O'Neill is pretty much as wacky as it gets. Yeah, yeah that, that final battle between martial law and public spirit still still resonates with me at times. Yeah, it's good stuff. Oh, yeah. But uh, you, you know, who can fault you for not liking Ramos? You just don't like it. So. Right. There you well, go. Not, I'm on the do not call again list. I well, no, I, I, was just, I was just. No, if you, said, if you said you were a big fan of Greg Land, then definitely. But you know. well, Greg Land is one of our um, greatest artists of all time. Of all time. Yeah, he ranks up there with uh, Eisner and uh, Kirby. <laughs> I couldn't even get it up. <laughs> See, not even a straight face, damn it. Diodato, an issue. And you know, no, Greg Land is a pretty good cover artist. Um, I like most of the covers I've seen him draw. It's, I don't like his interiors. Right, I agree seem, with you. They seem too cold and personal. Right. They seem like statues to me. Right. And, and just to give Greg Land a little bit of... Uh, love? A little bit of love, yeah. I have to say, even though I'm a fanatical follower of Man-Thing, and I, I take that character very, very seriously, he didn't do a bad job on that Man-Thing image for the that Marvel Monsters things that are coming out soon. No, it's it's no. not bad. It's really not. Wow. Well, because he, he could take photo reference for, for Man-Thing. He couldn't take right. her, he'd make Man-Thing what Kirsten Dunst. No. He didn't <laughs> run to the deli and look at a plate of ambrosia. <laughs> But like Pat said, his Morbius looks terrible. And I mean, if if you're, I'm I'm curious. I have to look for for shots of of Greg Land's Morbius because I'm wondering where he got the either the photo reference or where he's he's getting the the reference material for Morbius. I mean, you've had you've had some great artists do Morbius. You've had Gil Kane. You've had Frank Robbins. You've had uh, a slew of people. Work on work. Morbius, and if, if if Greg Land can't find a decent one to trace over, then something's wrong. Romita Jr. does the best Morbius. Um, really? Morbius, yeah. yeah, I think so. I'd agree. Yep. Even better than Gil Kane. I can't hear you. There's something wrong with my headset. No, that's it's. I know it's it's saying a lot, but yeah, he did. He did a really good job. Final thoughts? Yay or nay? You know. We'll, we'll go around the room, starting with Ian, then then Mike, then Derek. You know what what did. What are your thoughts on Amazing Spider-Man 536, either as a Civil War tie-in, as a standalone issue with the art, with the writing, what have you? Go ahead and spill your guts. Well, as a Civil War issue, it, it definitely delivered. Uh, it, it, it fit in there with what I wanted to see from Civil War 5. Hopefully when Civil War 6 comes out, 
come back and read it again and you know realize that it was that it makes even more sense. But I, I still think they should a little bit as an individual issue. By far one of the issues that JMS has written on Amazing in ages, and the art is just superb. So definitely one of the best Amazing issues I've read in a while, and that says a lot because I haven't read a good Amazing issue in a while. Um. To be quite honest with you, uh, before we started this conversation, I thought it was strictly a throwaway, um, especially the Civil War part. But after hearing Vince talk about, um, you know, equating, you know, talking about um, Spider-Man and his uh, his scientific method, it, it a lot of the things that have been going on in this issue and in Civil War have actually clicked with me. They started making a little bit more sense now. And um, I'd like to thank you for that, Vince. Have a greater appreciation for both this issue and for Civil War because of it. You're welcome. You're back on the call list now. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. I, Myers? I, uh, I really liked it. I like the art. I like the story. But I've always felt that I have to read Amazing Spider-Man to understand Peter's Point Civil War. I mean, there's there's two books I must read with Civil War, and that's Spider Man and the New Avengers, because I, I really like their profiles on the different characters. But I I really like this issue, and uh, I really like the battle scene that that Spider Man had with Iron Man, even though it was two panels in here. I mean, two pages. I, I really enjoyed it. That, and and you and. My, my, I, I agree with you on Amazing Spider-Man. I'm not reading the Avengers with the solo profile issues. I, uh, the the, um, and I mentioned earlier the main Civil War tie-ins I'm reading are the ones that I'm already getting, and that's Amazing, Captain America, and Fantastic Four. And now, since it just started a week or two ago, Punisher War Journal. But, and even Captain America, we've already had two Civil War tie-ins, and they really haven't tied in heavily to the real event so and the last one I don't yeah, I'm not I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody so I'm not going to go into it here but the as far as Spider-Man yeah I mean this is like I mentioned earlier this is somebody who unmasked in the second issue so to get more information on the character you'd have to read his main series to get um, to get an idea on Reed you know Reed has barely sh- Reed's shown up on a page or two in each issue and in the last issue in issue 5 he we saw him talking to Jen he showed up in Frontline more than he's shown up in in the main Civil War series so you know if you want to understand Reed Richards part in Tony and and for to some degree Hank's plan you have to read Fantastic Four so but I I, uh, I can definitely see your point Mike where you, know, you I, what I said earlier was that it it, it is a all the characters in this have been Avengers at some point. It's it's kind of like an Avengers story. So I don't, I got no excuses to why I wasn't reading the Avengers issues, but maybe because they were kind of, I think because they were written by Bendis, who hasn't had much say in this event, and the fact that they were only covering one character at a time, more or less, I just I kind of just written them off, and and that may be my mistake. Fair enough. I think it's like I said. It's I, I think it's Straczynski's best single issue of Amazing since he started. He nailed Peter Parker. I I, I feel he 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 understands the character with this issue, whereas in some of them, it was touch and go there for a while. Uh, Garney did a beautiful job on the pencils. 
Reinhold's inks are just flat out gorgeous, and the colors are by Matt Milla are to die for. So, I, I thought I thought it was a I thought it was a great issue. Art was great, writing was great. I enjoy the tie-in between this and Punisher War Journal and Civil War Number Five, and will soon be with Civil War Number Six. I have no problems with the issues whatsoever. There you go. I, I really like the cover too. I don't, nobody commented on that, but you have like both sides pulling them pulling them apart. The costume split in half. Yeah. I, I thought that was a really good cover design. I, I think the cover is classic. It, it made me feel the same way as Amazing Spider-Man One Thirty Five. Is it with the spider in the middle and all the characters around him? With yeah, that's my favorite amazing cover. And is that where Captain Stoy- Stacy died? No, one thirty-five is the one with the Punisher tarantula. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, right. Uh, I I got the same kick out of this that I did with that. So how could I not like the cover? Yeah, that's and it, I just think it was well done. It, it harkened back to the old days where they used to show uh, like a split between you know Peter and his costume when he right. used to have his inner sense. Well, you've got the two sides of uh, Peter here split down the middle. The side that's you know for Tony and the side that's you know for what he believes is the truth. So you've got that both going for him right here. Yep. Yeah, I just looked and, and, up that cover, and that is that is a, a good correlation there. One thirty-five. Yeah, it's a brilliant yeah, one for Vince. Awesome. It, it, it finally brought us to the point where we all knew where Peter was going to end up. Yeah, as much as he was on Tony's side before, we knew he was going to... I mean, I knew he was going to end up on on the side of anti-reg, whether Cap was leading the, the troops or not. It, it, it was inevitable for him to get this way, and this is only the penultimate chapter of this storyline in Amazing Spider-Man. So if this is Chapter 5, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what the hell the final chapter will bring. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'll pick it up. There you go. Derek will thumb through it. well thank you gentlemen for doing this with us and once again i gotta say we have to do it again well it was it was good having uh good talking to both of you guys at the same time again i mean this is the first time i've really uh absolutely while so it's 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 fun being on being on your uh on your little extravaganza you got here going from marvel so hell yeah and and derek you just come back anytime you want Same, (laughs) same thing with michael anytime it was okay. good hearing your voice, Derek. <laughs> yeah, save your <laughs> To actually interact. Yeah. See, if yeah. we got Tim Terrell here, it'd be a regular uh, deliberate noise extravaganza. <laughs> yeah. It, it's fun when podcasters come together. Yes. yes. You, you guys want to send us out? We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later. Bye. Peace.